Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. and Sisters of the Leaf, coming to you live once again from the corner of No Hope, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. Tonight the boys have a blast talking their way through the 1987 Taekwondo and rock and roll oddity that is Miami Connection, while drinking a shit ton of Florida Econa rum paired with a delicious Norteño cigar from Drew Estate's master blender Willie Herrera and, get this, Willie himself will be dropping by the show to introduce the cigar. It's our big Miami episode, folks. Do 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 do. Can you feel it? Can you feel it in the air tonight? Of course you can. Do 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 do. So sit back, light 'em up, and enjoy the show. Did you guys watch Miami Vice when you were little kids? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Man, I did. I loved. Everything about it. I love the music, the clothes. Everything about it was just so fucking cool. It was pretty cool. And it was so anti-small town Texas where I was growing up at the time, you know? Yeah. Miami seemed like this magical place that was literally in another world for mine. Like a, a completely other. It was like Star Wars. That's true. It, it was. <laughs> so different from where I was at. It's where dudes would drive around the city at night in Lamborghinis for hours on end without ever speaking a word to each other. Dude, there was just so many scenes of Crockett and Tubbs driving. Oh, that that Phil and Collins sh- take? And they like, never yeah. talked to each other. Uh, it was a world where nobody ever wore socks. To this day, you guys have known me for a while, I still do not wear socks thanks to the influence of this show. Is that what it was? I just think guys look cooler without socks. Wear some socks, bro. Thanks, Don Johnson. Uh, and it's a world where a tough-as-nails police lieutenant would deliver marching orders to his team every episode without looking hotshot Detective Sonny Crockett in the eyes. Did y'all know that? I did not know that. According to legend, Don Johnson and Edward James Olmos hated each other so much during oh, wow. the shooting of Miami Vice that almost never... He never once looked Johnson in the eyes during their many scenes together. They even had scenes together not just in his headquarters... But like in cars together, you never look Don Johnson <laughs> in the eyes. 
Can you imagine that kind of hatred? No, I couldn't. I couldn't either until I started going back and reviewing our previous 95 episodes. Only discovered that Tut has actually never looked me in the eye on any of them. <laughs> the secret is, is look just to the left of him. Uh, that hurt, brother. That hurt. <laughs> I'm sorry. You may think I'm all hammer and nails. That I don't, when I get cut, it doesn't hurt. And I, But you know what? I bleed just like the rest of your heroes, my man. Huh? Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 96. Our very special Miami episode. Look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes. Ah, there we go. It took 96 episodes, but I... I got your Manson lamps. They're looking right at me. Pretty sure I've looked you in the eyes before. Uh, I, you think I'm going to go back 95? I, I looked no, at a lot of sampling, and you never looked me in the eyes. But you like Well, you've me. always looked at hour four when the eyes are kind of crossed. and <laughs> just kinda <laughs> That's where I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't take it personally. <laughs> of course, I only looked at the third hour of every show where everyone's eyes were just... All over, thinking the, I was, all over the fucking place. Kept thinking I was looking at you. Maybe that was the third one of you that I was looking at. <laughs> I was staring at you, Kate. It was just your third you. Pretty much. God, can you imagine a world where there's three of me? How awesome would that be? That's not the word I would have used. It's awesome. Night- it's awesome. <laughs> it's a nightmare. I see every podcast. Uh, I should mention I moved to Florida, actually, in my early 20s for a brief period. And I learned the hard way. Nobody dresses like Miami Vice anymore. I went down to South Beach, got the linen suit, turquoise t-shirt. Oh, we're not doing this anymore? We never did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we never, ever, <laughs> ever did that. Miami's actually kind of evolved uh, since then. Uh, I did get some interesting propositions, though. I'll keep those to myself. Yeah. Uh, folks, as we do every episode, uh, tonight we're going to pair a premium cigar with some booze and a movie. But as a special treat, we're going to have on right now, like I'm literally going to cut to him right now, a very cool guest to introduce tonight's cigar and fill us in on all sorts of other exciting things. Boom, here goes. Joining us on Facebook Live on the Tuesday Cigar Club Facebook page, we are now joined by the one and only master blender for Drew Estate, Willie Herrera. Thanks for joining us, Willie. Thank you for having me. What's up, everybody? Hello there. Um, we first, I was trying to think back, um, and my wife actually figured it out. We first met Willie Tut. You were there? It was so. It was the first Cats Fest, which was like... That's right. Five years. You hadn't been with Drew State that long, um, if I remember right. I think the Herrera, the Herrera Steli, the original, had just come out like a few months beforehand, maybe. That would have been 2000, 2013. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so yeah, we uh, we first shook your hand there, and then you know we kind of watched your career take off over the next few years at at Drew Estate. Uh, like I said, eventually uh, being appointed the master blender, and then last year we got a really cool experience. With Drew Estate, we got to travel the country with you guys, going to all the barn smokers um, and documenting, uh, you know, all the different farms, all the different stations you guys put in. Spent a lot of time filming Willie 
uh, dropping knowledge on all the people. Uh, we'll get in a little bit more about the barn smokers later. Um, what Drew State asked us to, to bring Willie on tonight, as of now, uh, here we are, almost summer 2019, all of the Herrera Steli lines are available nationwide, and some in a ton of new sizes, and some in a couple new blends that haven't hit before. Uh, I think they maybe kind of squirted out there to meet the, some FDA stuff, but they were kind of like unicorns floating out there in the, in the wild. But now everything is finally out there. Uh, can you tell us a little bit? There were some name changes, uh, I think, on two of the lines, and then two basically new lines introduced. Can you kind of give us a little bit of background on it? Well, the uh, the original Herrera Sunny, we added the Habano to it to kind of differentiate it from the Maduro, which is the Herrera Brazil. Um, so we basically have four lines now. You got the original Herrera Sunny Habano, the Norteño, the Herrera Sunny Brazil, and then you have the Herrera Sunny Miami. Um, the Miami got new sizes to complete the whole line. Uh, initially, it was in a Corona size, you know, limited thing. Uh, I believe we did 2,500 boxes. Uh, it was the third of the limited series that I had done up to that point. And when we decided to repackage everything, uh, and how well that Corona did, we decided to go ahead and add the other four sizes so you have the same five sizes across, you know, all of the lines. And so, you know, we added, you know, the Lanza, the Toro, the Pyramid, the Robusto, and then the, the Corona. So you have, you know, all five in, in, in all the different lines. And then we, we assigned the colors do all the new lines, the Miami gets the black and gold, you know, the thing will stay the same, um, and the Brazil got that, that teal, bluish color. You know, that was a big thing when we were working with you guys uh, filming in, at IPCPR in Vegas was kind of the rebranding of Herrera Stelli and getting that unified look among the different brands. I'm curious, do you have any say, like yeah. you're, t- you're talking about the brand colors, you know, going with the black and gold for the Miami and you know the now uh, we're smoking Nortenos tonight. That that kind of dark olive green that's kind of just been syno- become synonymous with Norteño. As the blender, do you have any say in that, or do, is that all marketing guys and and other Drew State folks? Well, they come up with the ideas because I talk to them marketing. Uh, they run them by me, and then you know I say if I like it or I don't. And kind of point them in more of a direction, you know, something that I'm feeling more. Uh, but the initial thoughts and the initial concepts, like that all comes from marketing. You know, Joey, uh, the rest of the guys there marketing, because um, I'm not good for that, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I was always curious how much, you know, how much kind of say the blender gets in the, the final look of the, if any, of the look of the, you know, the band and the, the packaging and. It looks good. The, the, the whole lineup now looks extremely uniform. The Norteño box looks right in line with all the other ones. Uh, it looks sharp, man. It looks really, really sharp. Yeah, you know, they know the direction for anything that falls under the Herrera umbrella. Uh, right off the bat, they know tradition. Traditional, old school, um, you know, nothing too fancy. 
They know, you know, right from the start my my style and what I'm looking for in the brand. And that's and that's a lot of that simplicity and kind of classic that comes from a, a Cuban perspective, correct? Uh, I remember that was kind of a big part in the original uh, Herrera Stelí, and you know there was just kind of like mm-hmm. n- no cigar had ever come like that out of the Drew Estate factory, and uh, uh, it's just kind of cool to see how diverse it's got. Like we said, that was 2013. 13. I mean, you know, we're just barely a little over six years later, and look uh, how look look at the growth of the of that line. Of that I mean, line, yes. That's uh, so we've got the the Norteño and the and the uh, the Herestali Habano, uh, but then we've also introduced the Brazilian Maduro, and the cigar that I'm most excited about. Uh, I smoked one of these, maybe two of these, when we were at IPCPR. The Herrera Stella Esteli Miami, uh, like you said, it's now a, a available in all production sizes. As it was the only one Vitola. Um, am I correct? In thinking that this cigar is not made at Drew Estate, is this still made in Miami? Correct. Correct. The the, uh, the initial idea was to do a totally new and different limited uh, release because up to that point uh, it was specialized within an existing line, an existing blend, and then what we did with that one was I blended a special. It was a, a different blend blended with the tobacco that we have in the factory in Miami. And so when we expanded to, uh, to uh, you know, the full line, we grew all five sizes. They all continued to come out of Miami and, you know, same blend as the Corona. You know, I do get a lot of questions of people, one, because of the different color band, uh-huh. and two, because of the, the wrappers are slightly darker than the original one. And a lot of people ask if, if, if it's the same cigar, and it is. Um, initially, this was the priming that I was supposed or looking for uh, when we did that release, but there was just none out there. And when we came around to you know make a full line, I was able to secure enough of the, the wrapper that I did want initially. And so that's where I could see it a little bit darker than the original one. It's a little bit richer, a little bit spicier. Than the original, but it's all the same blend, same tobaccos. Okay, I, I remember uh, the ones that I had in Vegas. It was just uh, really nice leather and cedar. I kind of smoked a bunch of powerhouses. Seems like every cigar these days wants to just kick you in the balls with spice, just you know, till you can't see straight. Uh, and I just, it, it was just a really smooth, leathery. Uh, the spice was there, but it was just, it was really kind of a refined. Uh, just a really refined smoke that I, I quickly went and grabbed another one before they were all gone. Uh, so I'm really excited for folks to get their hands on that one. Um, barn smokers, y'all's first one is this weekend, right? Yeah, man. First one's coming up this weekend. Yeah, I feel bad. We're gonna miss Florida, but I'm being told we'll be there for the for the the rest of them. So uh, I don't know how you guys will manage to do them without us, but do your best. Uh, it's gonna be hard. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah, just I don't know how you'll be able to talk without giant cameras and microphones shoved up your ass. Uh, you'll manage. You'll manage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but no, folks, going to the barn smokers. Uh, like I said, it's an education 
uh, if you're interested at all in what goes into premium cigars from point A to point Z, uh, you're going to get questions answered from about point A to a point M or N or O P somewhere in there, from the seed to uh, you know fermentation to talking to Willie the blender about what happens once the tobacco is brought back to Nicaragua. Uh, you're going to get talk to the farmers. I mean, it's just an experience like like no other. Uh, I'm curious, do you have a favorite barn smoker? Are you allowed to say? You know. They're all super cool. Uh, they're all fun, but I would say that the Louisiana and the Kentucky are probably, I want to say, my favorite. And it's not because it's better than any of the other ones, but it's so different from all the other ones. You know, the Kentucky with that experience of the the, the fire curing. Uh, and the tobacco in the barn, uh, you know, getting smoked. And with uh, the Louisiana one, having, you know, the opportunity to see how they process that Perique tobacco and how that's the same process that they apply to the Kentucky tobacco, uh, it's just very, very unique for both of those. They're fascinating. Uh, I think those are the two kind of mind, it's hard to wrap your mind around as far as, you know, Kentucky and that, that, fire curing process um, I think we all smelled like fire cured cigars for about two weeks afterwards hey quick 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 question Willie uh, we got someone asking are you going to be at the Strasburg barn smoker this year at the what at the Strasburg barn barn smoker I don't know what that means I think that's Pennsylvania oh is that Pennsylvania yeah, Pennsylvania yeah oh okay I don't I don't even know the towns that we were in <laughs> yeah no, Strasburg was uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Me neither. I, I know him as the Pennsylvania Barnstorm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I was. You going to be in Pennsylvania? I'll be in all of them, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah he'll be at all of them. Uh, man, I, I got to tell you, Pennsylvania was my personal favorite. Um, just, just the uniqueness of, you know, watching some of those old school techniques. You know, you had the, the Amish workers climbing like a spider monkey up in that barn and, and the, the way they the way they hung the tobacco and, and you know you, you, little things you never worry, think about is shade you know sun coming in from this part of the barn you want to get the shadows on this part of the tobacco and then they switched out the the basements uh, it was just fascinating I and, like and beautiful it's a beautiful farm I like how all the different barn smokers had an identity of their own to where it was like you're covering the same the same kind of things with just some different techniques, but each area was so different. Like the Florida technique was so different from the Pennsylvania technique, which was so different from Kentucky. I mean, it was really kind of neat just to see how you would think, oh, you just roll a cigar, grow some tobacco, roll some cigars, and it's not that at all. It was just really kind of cool to hear everybody touch on all the different aspects within these regions. Yeah. Um also, was it was it Pennsylvania where you did the seminar with the Yingling blender, master uh, brewer from Yingling? I believe so. I think so. Yeah, uh, that was a good. That, that was, a, was good. a really good uh, seminar where Willie and uh, I believe his name's Mark, uh, Mark Seaman. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they kind of went back and forth on the similarities and the differences between uh, choosing tobaccos and choosing hops. Uh, the the method of you know creating different beer blends of beer and different cigars it was a really fascinating 
seminar listening to kind of both sides of the beer and the that's what we do here we you know we drink and we smoke uh, it's fascinating. It's a, it's a hard life, man. Hard yeah. life. Um, so one last question about Pennsylvania. You handed out to everyone that was there a test. Uh, it was an unfinished Undercrown blend that you were working on that wasn't quite. You hadn't quite figured it out yet, but I loved it. I thought it was it was really different than anything in the other. Has that gotten any traction? Is it still in the laboratory? And I'm still not happy with it. Okay. <laughs> I'm still, you know, playing around with it and and trying to get to something that that I love, you know. Do you I like bringing out cigars that are just, oh, okay, it's all right, you know. And that's, you know, one of the biggest reasons why there's such a delay with the uh, the new the legal anniversary and the uh, H99. Yeah. It took so long for for me to get it to. I loved it. That then the growing season had passed for them to grow that new tobacco that we were using. Yeah, that H ninety nine. I really like that. Yeah, we flipped. Do you that. do you ever feel a ton of pressure to where there, you know, people above you might be going, "Come on, Willie, it's time. Let's release this thing. Let's go." You know, that's the beautiful thing with Drew Estate. Even from the beginning, when I initially came on board to release the, the Herrera Stelite. There was never a question of how much longer, where you at, a, you know, what's the time frame, what are you thinking. Uh, they just let me work, man. Let me work and, and come up with something that I was happy with and, and really enjoyed and loved, you know. Well, that's all. I mean, a big thing you talk about um, when you're when you're giving your your seminars is. Everyone wants to know what new new great thing you're working on. What's the new blend? What, and you you, you have you know really great way of explaining to people that you know a bulk of your work isn't creating new blends, although that's always on the table. A big portion of your responsibility is tweaking ex- tweaking existing blends so they maintain the profile that everyone expects from. Because tobaccos change, um, environments change. And what tobacco made an undercrown taste like an undercrown five years ago isn't, you know, it has to be tweaked a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, so you're still getting that exact same, as close to that exact same profile as you want. And people don't really look at, that's not really the romantic side of what you do. That's kind of the, yeah. you know, but that's, that, that's just as, if not more important than anything new, you know. To be honest, last year was the, my first time thinking about that I, I always figured you were just having fun just blending whatever you wanted to and then all of a sudden I got this image of just pallet after pallet of new tobaccos coming in and they got you chained up trying to be consistent with all of your brands yeah and you know that's one thing nobody ever asked ever at any event uh, at any of the barn smokers you know it's exactly what you th- what you said um, they always wondering what you're working on new but what you said there, they never, that's doesn't even cross people's minds that, you know, you constantly have to tweak and, and, and make the new tobacco that just came in work for that existing blend uh, to maintain the consistency because that ultimately is the biggest thing, you know, is that cigar has to be the same year in and year yeah. out. And I mean, that's... That's a lot of pressure on your palate too. I mean, are you the the are you the end all say all like okay, this finally tastes like 
you know, an underground shade Toro? Or do you, are there other guys that give their opinions, or is it is it pretty much it's got to pass the Willie test? No, we have a good team in Nicaragua. Um, obviously, I'm not there, you know, all 30, 31 days out of the month because I'm, I'm always on the road. Right. Visit cops, barn smokers, um, multi-vendor events, so on and so forth. So we have a real good team over there that they know what the stuff has to taste like. And if there's ever a question or a problem that, you know, they're trying and stuff is just not coming out, then, you know, either they'll wait for me to get there that month because typically I'm there once a month. Uh, some months uh, are heavier in the States just doing events and, and, you know, more than usual. And I might not make it to Nicaragua that month. Uh, but if there is a problem like that, then I'll find a way to get over there, you know, at least for two days just to start working on the problem. You know? Well, that answers my next question because mine was going to be knowing that there's other people along the team for consistency because mine was going to be what happens if you get a cold or something and your palate shifts? I mean, that's a big palate shift for all of a sudden the next batch of consistent scars just gets off a little bit. They, I mean, you, you can't see it there in the sky. Willie lives in a, one of those hermetically sealed bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been sick in 20 years. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm lucky, man. I have a real good team over there, you know. Uh, Yesenia, Rubio, Louis, Joel, Mike, that's over there, you know, twice a month, uh, overseeing, you know, the production and the logistics of stuff coming in and out. Uh, you know, I have, I, I can't do it by myself. No doubt. Hey, Willie, I'm, I'm sorry, I've got two questions that jumped in here. Uh, and you don't have to answer them from Skype, but uh, I'm just going to throw them at you. One, uh, David says, is there uh, anything new coming up at the Florida Barn Smoker? And then two, Rev Java says, uh, any chances of a Miami Lancero? Maybe to both. Maybe to both. You heard it here. All right. Uh, I, I tell you what, the thing, real quick, to go back, and then I have one more blending question. Um, but, no, the the Herrera Steli line now kind of has something for everybody. Um, and I, I want people to check out that Miami because I think it's really interesting. And I'm with Rev. I'd like to try Lancero in that. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, I think that's a good call. My question, going back to the blending real quick, um, when you are – and I, I, like I said, we're there for every barn smoker. I never heard this question. I was always hoping somebody would answer it, but I'm the paid help. I didn't, no, you're on the hot seat. I didn't think it was my my place to speak up. Um, when you're t- testing blends for existing, like say you're you know making sure that this year's uh, velvet rats taste the way they should, do you ever, in the process of tweaking the tobaccos and making adjustments? Has that ever sparked something that has led directly to a different, a new cigar? Have you ever, tw- have you ever been fooling around with an existing blend and been like, "Holy shit!" Like if I run and get, you know, if I do a few more things here, this could be something completely crazy good. If I put peanut butter in this chocolate. It's going to be yeah, great. Yeah, has working on an existing cigar ever sparked something like I could, I could do something here, and from that, uh, something entirely new happened? Uh, or is that usually just from scratch? Just that's how you operate. I the way I operate is two different ways. 
Uh, one way is I'm always trying to do something completely different, completely new, to add something new to the portfolio. To add another cigar or another smoker, new smoker, as well as potentially one of our existing customers to enjoy as well, to add to the rotation. Another way, the other way how I go into blending stuff is I get a set direction from the company. For example, Underground Shade. We didn't have anything with Connecticut Shade. So I went into that project knowing, okay, I need to do this style of a cigar. Specifics already, you know? But the majority of the other of the times, I'm just looking to create something new that we have a, a, a gap, something that we do not have. Um, you know, whether it's a profile or a cigar uh, with a, a different wrapper, like the Carrera de Brazil, we didn't have anything with Brazilian Marapina, um, the Mexican, the uh, Norteño, uh, box press, we didn't have anything box press. Uh, so I'm always looking for something different. The sun grown uh, on the crown, we didn't have anything with, with the Sumatra sun grown. Um, so it's always looking for a gap and something new to bring out to to the to the customers. You know, it's not to say that I won't work on other cigars using existing wrappers, um, because you know you're kind of limited to. Certain wrappers. Uh, sometimes you have, you know, preference over, you know, certain wrappers. But at the end of the day, you have to look at what's available sure. and what you could consist, you know, consistently get um, to have a full line to, to produce. Um, so, are there some wrappers that that I like that? You know, are, are more difficult or more costly, or just the yields aren't there. Yeah, and have I worked on stuff with that? Yeah. Um, are they going to come out? Probably not as a regular production line. Right. Maybe as you know something limited, or maybe under the Unigos, something that's you know a lot more limited. But you know, I'm, the bottom line is I'm always looking for something new, something new to add. Okay, what uh, just off the top of my head, you, it's your, it's Willie Herrera's birthday. You're going out for a nice dinner with the wife. What, what is you got a favorite Drew State cigar? One cigar you're gonna, you're gonna throw in your pocket and smoke later that night, or are they, are they, are they all? You're on the hot seat. I'm always gonna throw a Rusty Longtail, okay, the original, because uh, that's a one cigar for me that. No matter when or where, uh, time of day, it always gives me what I want. Yeah, I, I, I love that Lonsdale. I'm a big fan of the Norteño Lonsdale. Um, I'm a big fan of the Norteño line. I'm excited about doing Norteño tonight. I'm going to let Willie introduce that in a minute. What's your favorite Drew Estate cigar? You're on the hot seat. Ah, uh, man. Uh, I used to always say the uh, Pravada 9. But I've probably smoked more of the Nortenos in the last year than I have of the Nines. Yeah. What about you? I like the Shade. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to go Shade, huh? Yeah. Probably a Shade Toro, or you like the Corona Doble, too. Oh, yeah. Um, man, I'm old school. I, I still <coughs> get excited about 
peeling that little piggy cap off a flying feral pig. Um, they're hard to find. You don't. You, they're still not. They're still not uh, in abundance. But uh, I gotta tell you, I'm not a huge sun-grown guy. But I'm uh, shocked at how many of the underground sun-grown. I I really love that cigar. Yeah. That, that cigar. It made our top ten. I think two years ago, maybe when it first came out, and it just. I was blown away by just how creamy and just the the different flavors in that cigar. Uh, well done. Uh, that Sun Grown really came out of nowhere, and I didn't even know there was kind of a missing. I thought, you know, Undercrown Maduro, Shade, man, they got it covered. And that's, uh, that's really a testament to, to your blending style is that all of those cigars have very different profiles, and it's not like something that... I hear so many blenders like, well, I blend to my taste, and that's all that they blend to. It takes, there's a, to me, there's a lot of science in trying to go for specific profiles if if you're not used to tasting that profile naturally or natively. So the fact that all of those are really good cigars, I think that kind of is a testament. He's good at what he does. Yeah, that's why he's there. <laughs> that's why you're there. Uh, <laughs> well, um, man. I'm just fun with it. And I enjoy smoking all kinds of different cigars, um, so I'm always looking to to make something so I don't have to go out and buy something else. So I might as well have my own, you know. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, whether it's you know with something new or something I've never worked with, uh, at the end of the day, it's got to be a cigar that I'm that I'm really really happy with, you know. And so that means. You're never going to see a cigar out there that I won't smoke. That's oh. just that's me, you know. That's my belief. If I can't smoke it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna release a cigar that I that I'm not gonna smoke. Before we get into the uh, the Norteño, I have to I, I want to clarify for our viewers who are, might be tuning into this either later on. And they're looking at the diet cokes that are on the table, yeah, which is he's gonna he's gonna try to blame this one on you, Willie. It's uh, not. Uh, I actually read an interview on the Drew Estate site, and uh, they asked you like, what do you like to pair your cigars with? And you were like, uh, I don't pair them with nothing, man. I'm just diet coke all the time. So I was I told Kate I was like, we got to get some diet coke yeah, on there. We're, we're a cigar and drinking podcast, and we're talking about you know what beers to to pair with you know either the Miami or the Norteño. And this asshole's like, you know, I think it has nothing to do with the fact he has a four hour drive in the morning. I think we should do diet coke. That's what Willie. Uh, that's what Willie. You know, who better to know what to real, pair? Than, than, I keep it real. So, so we'll do. Let's just do diet coke. Hey, if the master is saying diet coke, I'm doing diet coke. So we 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 got our <laughs> case of diet cokes, but then we also bought a big ass bottle of rum yeah. for the adults in the room. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Uh, but I'll try some with just plain diet coke later. We'll give it a shot. Uh, I'm all about new experiences. All right. <laughs> uh, Willie, if you wouldn't mind uh, introducing tonight, uh, we are smoking, it's the new name, the Herrera Esteli Norteño. Uh, tonight, Willie, we're smoking uh, just, I'll give you the size, and then you can give us wrapper, binder, filler, and, and a little background on, on where the name Norteño came from. Uh, we're smoking the 6x50 Toro tonight. Okay. Uh, we're, we've been so. smoking while we're talking we got a little pregame smoke. We're smoking right now the, uh, I love these little suckers, the uh, Corona Extra. It's a four and three-fourths by 48, mm-hmm. and that's a great little short smoke. Yeah, it is. Uh, but but the big big show tonight will be the Toro. Uh, I'll turn it over to you, Willie. 
So Mexican San Andreas wrapper, Honduran uh, Criollo binder, all Nicaraguan fillers. Okay. And, uh, Esteli in Jalapa, is that right? It's Esteli in Jalapa. Okay. Yep. And where the name where the name Norteño come from? So Norteño means northerner in Spanish. And the people from Managua, which is you know in the southern part of the country, consider people in Esteli and north of there, they call them Norteños, northerners. And then I'm a northerner there. Uh, I'm not from that country, so I figured, man, I like the name. It sounds cool and it makes sense, and well, I went with it. Like I said, it's become one of the most smoked cigars in the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Uh, the band has become, you know, that 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 green background with that that little bird. Uh, it's it's over a very short period of time. It has become a very iconic iconic label uh, which if the smoke was no good you know I don't care how good the, the you know the, the it would be an iconic label for a no good cigar it would be an iconic label that we had for a year or two and then it would be it would be you know somewhere else but man this cigar the is, with the little bird yeah is that the I, yeah, I, I, I assume it was like the national bird or something right that's the national bird of Nicaragua and it's basically the translation because you're, you're not going to understand in, 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 in Spanish is uh, Cliff Guardian. Um, is what the bird is called, a Guadalajara. A Cliff um, Guardian, okay. Yeah, because they set their nests and everything on the cliffs on the side of the mountains, and that's where they nest. And uh, that's how they got their name, I guess. I don't know. Now, I've always wondered, the bird has these two giant set of balls hanging off of it. Are those berries? I, I think those are tail those feathers. Are those are feathers. I'm too. just kidding. I knew they weren't balls. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I, I, it's 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 easily one of my top three Drew Estate smokes. I smoked the hell out of them. I'm excited uh, to finally feature it on. I've been wanting to feature these on the show for a while. So, um, First of all, folks. Here? I'm sorry? That bird? Have you seen the picture of that bird? No. Oh, man. It's probably the most beautiful bird I've ever seen. Well, now I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, I was about to say, now I'm going to have to look it up and put it up on the podcast. Um, Beautiful, that bird, man. Okay. Um, and it guards the cliffs, of which there are many in Nicaragua. Uh, There's a few. Okay. Well, I want to say this. Before we cut Willie loose, I know he's a busy man. Um, go out there and sample the entire Herod. Now that it's out there in every size you could possibly want, go out there, sample one of each of all the Herrera Stellies. I guarantee you you'll find something that fits your profile. I think you'll find a couple. Uh, from the original Herrera Esteli on this end to the Norteño. Is the, would you put the Brazilian Maduro at the at the other side of the spectrum as far as full-bodied, full-strength? I actually have only smoked, I think, one, so I don't really feel qualified to... Would you put it beyond the Norteño as far as kick? No. Okay. I'll put this just under it. Um... I would probably put the Miami. The the Brazil. Okay. Oh, okay. The 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 Norteño probably will be the strongest underneath that. The Miami underneath that Brazil, and then the uh, the Havana. The original. Okay. Okay. Um, well, folks, get out there. They're in your Drew Diplomat retailers. You can find them. Soak them in. Um, we. Uh, 
Tut, we've got some comments that have been coming in. Uh, we do have a really cool piece of artwork, a hand-painted Norteño uh, canvas from Subculture Studios. Um, when this episode airs in its entirety, uh, we will announce the winner. Um, so watch that episode. We're going to go back and do our, our magic and, uh, and find a winner. Um, it might be me. No, it's not you. No? No. It's a beautiful. It's a, it's a it's a beautiful piece. I know. It would look really nice. Uh, no. No. Okay. And it's not going to be awarded to Cat Maid or anything like that. None of my 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 pseudonyms. Not Ron Mexico or <laughs> Marty Coleslaw is not going to win this. Marty Coleslaw or anything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so one of you guys will, will get it, and we'll, uh, Joe Grow will make sure it does not get sent to Texas. How's that? Uh, Willie, man, I really appreciate you sitting down with us. I'm excited. Uh, I guess we'll see you uh, hopefully in Pennsylvania. Uh, will be the next barn smoker after this one. Yes. Uh, unless they they realize that they really don't need us. And <laughs> the hell are we? What the hell are we bringing those guys here for anyway? <laughs> or as JD said, a bunch of numb nuts. Yeah. You know what? Something was missing from this. <laughs> those three numb nuts. Man. Yeah, uh, no. Well, uh, kick ass in Florida, man. Yeah. Have a kick ass time in Florida. Everyone who's going, we're jealous. Uh, it is Jeff's farm is just amazing. And not only is the farm amazing, the event is amazing. You're going to have Jeeps there with anti-aircraft guns on them. You're going to have girls running around in all sorts of outfits. Oh, and and you get to go down to to, uh, Jeff's place. uh, And then when you're done, you go down to Corona Cigars in Miami and smoke some Drew State exclusives. They got the... The league is in the box press. Uh, I think it's still an exclusive there. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a whole experience. You're going to love it. Uh, you're going to get some of that great Miami culture. You're going to get some good drinks. Uh, man, it was just a, it's just a really phenomenal time. So have fun, uh, everyone in Florida. Willie, we will see you in Pennsylvania. And just thank you again, brother, for dropping in. Uh, I really appreciate the knowledge, and I'm looking forward to learning a lot more from you this year. Sounds good, man. I'll see you in PA. All right, brother. Have a good night, man. Appreciate you. Well, thank you, Willie Herrera, for joining us. Uh, a very important man joining a very important podcast. It was a meeting of, of titans that was overdue. Uh, we've talked to Willie a lot at the Barn Smokers, but I think uh, we filmed the shit out of him in Vegas. Yes. I think he was really tired of talking to us. <laughs> uh, but it was about time we talked on our terms, you know, having some drinks and having some fun. Uh, thank you, Willie. He told you everything you need to know about the cigar, so Cody, tell us a little bit about what we're drinking tonight. Diet Coke. When did Diet Coke first hit the scene? 1982. 1982. <laughs> Five years before our movie tonight. Five years before our movie. That's right. 1982. Set the world on fire. It was. People were like, I can have Coke without any consequences. Absolutely. Well, there were some consequences they found out. But later, I mean, you know. Yeah, the aspartame might do some <laughs> things to your brain. It's uh, made, allegedly. Allegedly. That uh, was the early aspartame. They've worked the kinks out. It's huge, though. <laughs> it's People love Diet Coke. They absolutely love it. It came out in 1982. It was the second product to ever carry the Coke name. Coke coming out in late 18... Are you not counting new Coke? Did no New Coke one, come in after? Nobody that? counts yes, New, New Coke. Coke came out after. Oh, it did. So it was uh, the, actually the second product. Right. Okay. Okay. So well, now you've got Coke Zero, Coke Vanilla, Coke Orange Vanilla, Coke. Now you have multiple flavors of Diet Coke. 
Yes, that's true too. Lime and uh, orange. Just and hearing strawberry. all this stuff about Diet Coke makes me ashamed. As I'm I said so, I'm so during the early interview, I'm so sorry. we're drinking Diet Coke tonight because Tut has a long drive in the morning and didn't want to. No, no. You thought Willie, our guest tonight, only pairs with Diet Coke. So I was like, hey, it's going to be fun. Well, he's going to be I like, think he, hey. I think he meant when he was blending. He's not going to be in the factory chugging beers and chugging whiskey. And what? He just meant when he's on the job, he drinks yeah. Diet Coke because it doesn't interfere with his palate. The consummate professional. What? Yeah. He doesn't drink on the job like us. Okay. But I saw a Diet Coke or two at the Barn Smoker. I'm two cans in. Mm. <laughs> two cans in. Uh, but for the adults <sighs> in the room, Cody and I, uh, we decided we're not just going to drink Diet Coke tonight. Not just that Diet would be Coke. lame sauce. Uh, we picked up a bottle of Flor de Cana. What? First of all, Flor de Cana. Why do they have the word Ron above it? There's no guy named Ron Flor de Cana. That's my new name. That's your Ron. hotel check-in name. That's my new hotel so check-in. Name. Your name is Ron Sugarcane Flower. That's what Florida Econa means. Right. It is the name for the flower of the sugarcane plant. Okay. From in Nicaragua, I to be specifically. We thought... Can I just do Ron Cana? No. Ron Sugarcane? No. Ron Sugarcane, yes. That's pretty fucking bad. Yeah, that is not bad. All right, I'm not going to do Cana. I'm we just going to go Ron Sugarcane. We could have done the Florida Econa 12-year, the Florida Econa 20-year. Uh, when we learned we'd be mixing it with Diet Coke, I was like, why the extra Wait. expense? <laughs> Uh, let's just go for the four-year. Uh, tell us about it yet. We're not the, ballers like you, and, I, and I'm sure Don't I'm judge saying us. It, it incorrectly. The Anejo Oro. Okay. Anejo. Uh, huh? Anejo. Anejo. See? I knew I was going to say What does that wrong. mean? I have no idea. Something gold. Okay. It is gold. Yes. Uh, surprisingly, you know, figures, you know, you're like, oh, is this the, the cheap one? But actually, it tastes pretty good. It, it really does. does. It does. It's not bad. Even though we're mixing it with Diet Coke. Hey, I'm not uh, an apologist when it comes to, when I drink rum, I mix it with soda. Yeah. I don't care if any snobs are, or, I, I, I mix rum with soda. Yeah, yes. I'm like, man, drink what you like. Yeah, I like rum with soda. Yeah, so yeah. do it. Uh, Florida Econa uh, started back in 1890. Oh, wow. They have been around for quite a long time. Uh, primarily, they were, of course, in Nicaragua when they started. And throughout the years, they slowly but surely expanded into the neighboring uh, countries that were close to them and, and, and moved out slowly but surely. Uh, during the unrest they had in the 80s and whatnot, they ended up, you know, stockpiling a lot of their rum. And, and of course, this... And, and even You're talking about Skip Martin of Romacraft or the, the country? <laughs> Both. No. I've seen his reserves of this stuff. It's, I heard it, that. It's man. pretty impressive. But no, they uh, ended up, you know, actually just sitting, being the, sitting on a, just a ton of aged rum. Yeah. So then they started, you know, selling that. You know, most people think like, you know, rum, you make it, you sell, you sell it. it. These guys had the idea of a bourbon approach, right? A bit of age to it. This is four year. This is four year, and of course they do many others: eight, twelve, sure. yeah. 
twenty. There's a lot of fancy ones. So I'm uh, man. Rum is always really tricky to me because I want to treat it like a bourbon or a scotch, but I'm sorry. I just I just like mixing it. It's it's one of the few drinks that I actually mix. Uh, I, I'm not a mixed drink guy. I'll drink a rusty nail, uh, and then uh, but after that, it's a Cuba Libre all the way. That's Co- rum and coke, Co- what is not a, diet coke. What is a rusty nail? Uh, it's a uh, scotch, vermouth, and some bitters. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I, I thought about going to some of the higher vintages of, of Florida Con. I still don't understand why Ron is above Florida Cana. Who's Ron Florida Cana? You. Okay. That's all. That, that's the answer. I'm sure Ron has a sim. It's him. Okay. Um. So we're going to be drinking rum and Cokes tonight. Some of us will be drinking Diet Coke straight Well, tonight. actually, I say that, but I keep going back <laughs> to that back of the room. That's why I got the big bottle. You were like, well, do you really need a bottle of this big? This bottle was $3 it more than the It is almost halfway gone, and we're not really... <laughs> Into the show yet? <laughs> the, the .75 milliliters oh. was $14. Uh, this bad boy was 17 Three more bucks for we're twice as much. We're all about bills. economy by unit, baby. Uh, that's absolutely correct. Okay. Um, and because this is our big Miami episode... Willie's from Miami. His factory, his original factory's from Miami. Uh, we talked about the Herrera's Telly Miami. This is our big, our movie's all about Miami. This is our big Miami episode. Okay, I have to stop you there because like now I'm now the rum's kicking in. I'm like speaking of big, Willie's a big fucking guy. He's tall. He is. He's a big man. He's a tall man. Who is six three? Six three maybe four. I don't know. I just remember seeing him with like next to Jose Blanco, and I was kind of like had my blinders of Jose on because I was like, "Oh, Jose, who's that big fucker?" Oh, yeah. hey, he's a master blender for Drew Estate. Well, at that point, he was kind of the new guy on the scene. I don't think he was appointed the master blender quite. Oh, was okay. quite yet, yeah. yeah. Um, but then once Jose Blanco exited Hoya de Nicaragua, so we knew Willie when he was just Willie from the block. Oh. Don't be fooled by the skills that he's got. He's just, he's just really from the bottle. I blame the rum. Can we drink straight from the bottle? Yes, we can. <laughs> okay, okay. We do have these straws after all. Yeah, I'm just going to link them together. <laughs> I did bring those flexible straws. I, oh. I was waiting for you guys to commend me on my. Don't be like there will be blood. I drink your rum. Uh, well, listen real quick before we start. Uh, I knew this was our big Miami episode. I didn't know if we're going to be smoking the Harris Deli Miami or our favorite so far. <sighs> Uh, the Norteño. We mm. are, in fact, smoking the Norteño. Uh, I'm going to wait till Tut lights up his Toro. I've been hanging on to that little petite that but we had before. Oh, my goodness. What is that? We found at our uh, liquor store, which until they start paying us, I'm not going to mention their name, where we get all of our beer for the they, show. They and our, actually should. And our, they should. Uh, Dude, why can't we do a sponsorship? Well, talk to them. You're the one that gets it all. I don't like talking to what people. What is this? This is the Miami Vice <laughs> Twisted Shots. <laughs> Two great flavors in a twisted shot. Give them the shot. Give them the shot. What's in the shot? What's Give them the, the shot. shot? Uh, strawberry daiquiri vodka with natural and artificial flavors. Like, we can talk. We're drinking Diet Coke. Uh, and... <laughs> what, 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 Certified colors. Certified? They're certified. By top men. (laughs) Which men? Oh, the top men. Oh, there's also pina colada rum, vodka, cream with natural and more artificial colors. I'm going to be honest. I can see nothing wrong with this. 
Miami Vice shots. Who's doing I, one with me? I totally see everything wrong. I'll do one with you. You know that. Damn right you will. But I'm not going to like Look, it. Half is something and half is something else. Which way are we supposed to drink it? Like, no, you I peel off the top I and you do, you just do a sh- it's a shot. It's a shot. It's a shot. You just do the shot. All right. All right. I feel like I need like a jacket with all classy shots. Peel off the cellophane <laughs> metallic <laughs> lid. I was so embarrassed picking this up. I'm not gonna lie. Mm, so uh, it's like candy. Guys, if you'll notice, one side is quite dense. I think that's the pina colada side. That's the pina colada. And pina then the other like side is, is looks like windshield wiper fluid. I'm not even going to sniff this. I'm just. I'm fairly certain it is windshield wiper. Boys, wipe. to our Miami episode. Miami Vice shots. Clink. Do, 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 That tastes like candy. Very cotton candy presents. Yeah, pretty much. There's was. one left. We'll see about halfway through the show. Who gets it? I'm detecting. I'm picking up notes of shame. We're great. I'm picking up notes coming. It's coming. Picking up notes of woo girl. Woo. Okay. We've done our Miami Vice shots. We have poured our rum and cokes. So naturally, we're going to be doing the Miami Vice movie, right? No, because that was terrible. Uh, I love Michael Mann as a filmmaker, but... We're going to do uh, the movie Bad Boys that was set in Miami. No. No, we're not. Okay. Uh, You know I don't watch Will Smith movies. Okay. I originally, when we were... I got to do a Florida cigar. I originally wanted to do... There's a great movie by uh, Larry Clark called Bully, which is about a bunch of Florida high school kids. Um, I think I've heard of it. Oh, my. It's, It's a really intense, heavy... Wonderful movie. So obviously I passed on it. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what we do. It oh, was just a cinema. It was a cinema gym. We don't. And we don't do that here. We don't do that. Something um, that might gain us respect from our other cinema files. No, no, no. We don't no, want no. any of that. Boy, okay. that shot leaves a. It, yeah. It's got a lingering something. <laughs> let me let me wash that down with this. Yeah, wash it down I, with some I, rum. I think Cody nailed it. It was a lingering shame. Willie's already regretting being associated with this nonsense. It's like, oh, come on, He's boys. like, I remember these guys from the barn smokers. They were kind of harmless. This is what they do? Like, this is their bread and butter? <laughs> they just drink crap and talk about nonsense? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Willie, again. Uh, it, was a, it was a really fun interview. <laughs> of course not. I didn't go with any of those stupid movies. I went with Miami Connection, 1987. I think this... They would be lucky if they could afford that. Oh, they can never, they can never, uh, they can never afford Phil Collins in any way, shape, or form. Did you guys ever watch the old Miami Vice when Phil Collins guest starred on it as like a drug dealer? I vaguely remember it. I don't remember that. There was also another great uh, run. I think it was early, like season two or three, where Bruce Willis was a dr- before moonlighting. Yes, he was a drug. Oh wow! Yeah, he's walking around in the. I'm gonna have to revisit the, Miami Vice. It is, oh, it's a trip. There was yeah. nothing like it at the time. No, I, I remember I, I, I watched it, you know, there, but I was just like, oh. It well, was, and, you know, it's one of those because you don't you think about because all you think about is you know Crockett and Tubbs, and but we, it's one of those shows because it was so popular. If you go back and look at all the little side characters, all the various actors at the time that had worked their way through that show. Yeah. I well, mean, they all showed up in Heat, which we did yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like Heat. Michael Mann brings all those guys back. Um, but man, I, 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 I'm willing to bet 40% of every episode of my advice was just music. 
Yeah. It was just dudes yeah. driving around. It was just nothing. And as a kid, I was just tra- I'd never seen anything like it. I was just this is just amazing. I remember because it, I wasn't that big of a fan of the show. I liked the show and I watched the show, but it wasn't like I was just you know hooked every every time it was on. But I remember an article I was reading talking about how ballsy it was to do those type of shots to where it was literally you're cinema. right it was just them driving it was around. it was cinema it was it was russian motif cinema yeah but i mean also you know at the time and it was, it was out, on tv obviously you know with the influence of mtv the, every, i mean every kind of like episode was its own little music video it was yeah yeah exactly. and i and yeah. i listened to the the jan hammer that soundtrack to me i listeners of the show knows how big i'm into synth and and I mean that soundtrack. It's still the number one selling TV soundtrack of all time. Oh wow! Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, just just because of all I think of is bouncing boobies and running flamingos. But dude, some of the softer that cigarette boat that's just but dude, that cigarette. I'm not. I'm not, dude. I walked into a nail salon once to pick up my wife and my daughter. They're getting their nails done, and they had the little spa music playing. I'm like, oh, that's Crockett's theme. Shit, it's still getting traction. Uh, well, we're not doing Miami Vice tonight, uh, the show or the movie. We're doing Miami Connection, 1987, which is just like Miami Vice, sort of, uh, sort of in a way that it's, it's not. It's, it's not in Miami. It's, it is in Miami. It's written directed by Wu Sang Park, aka YK Kim. That's what we're gonna call him from now on. YK Kim. The year was 1987. He had never made a film before, so YK Kim borrowed from friends, took out loans, spent all of his savings, and get this, he mortgaged his Taekwondo studio to finance tonight's film. Good on you. If he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be talking about tonight. The end result was a million-dollar feature, allegedly, that opened in eight local Florida theaters... (laughs) Got terrible reviews yeah. and then completely vanished for several decades. Understandably. And it nearly bankrupted Kim on top of that critical oh, and financial man. implosion. Then, here's where Texas does something cool. Then in 2009, a programmer at the Alamo Draft House Cinema in Austin, Texas, Zach Carlson, found the film on eBay, a VHS, and he made a $50 bid and he won it. Didn't know what it was, just made a blind bid. Carlson screened the film in the theater in Austin, uh, right down the road from us here in the corner of No Hope, literally 45 minutes south. Yeah. And it found a very positive uh, reception. Granted, they can drink at the Draft House. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he gave the film to the creative director of Draft House Films, the distribution division of the Alamo Draft House Cinemas. That guy, director uh, Evan Husney, called YK Kim and asked to get permission to re release the film. Uh, for a while there, Draft House Films was putting out films, not only on DVD, but they do limited edition VHS. Austin Hipster. They do right. the whole right. the whole spiel. Uh, for better or for worse. This case, maybe for better. Uh, originally, Kim believed that his recre- the Evan calling him, they were joke calls. So he hung up on him a bunch of times. Kim later said, I was wondering why they wanted to distribute the movie that the public had rejected and Hollywood treated like trash 25 years ago. Husney and Kim then started going back and forth negotiating for several months, and then a deal to re-release the film was established. In the summer of 2010, it was screened as part of the Alamo Drafthouse Weird Wednesdays, which I've been to several of them. Yeah. You and I yes. went to a couple oh, yeah. of them. We, uh, they're really cool events, and the rest is history. 
uh, like I said, the Draft House, who I have issues with, but overall they obviously do some really cool things, even brought the cast of the film together for a reunion where the band Dragon Sound played oh on my stage goodness. at the Fantastic Fest Film Festival playing some of the, the hit uh, the, you know, the signature tunes that's from the movie. kind of cool. I wish I would have been there for that. That yeah, would be awesome. You know me, I hate cool. live music, but I would have been rocking my fucking socks off to that. Uh, anywho, yada, 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 here we are. It's 2019, and we're going to talk about this fucker. Uh, quick question. Uh, YK, uh, naturalized citizen from the U.S., or did he transport in? I did not text him to see his papers. <laughs> We want to kick him out? No. Oh, I don't know. I was just kind of curious because I mean, I when, assume, when he, you look he was at here. it, I mean, you still had the influence of actually the only real influence I guess back in that time would have been the Bruce Lee China connection, uh, which was kind of iffy back then. I mean, you had a lot of like well, B budget kung fu type stuff. I mean, this is That's what I'm the, saying. The That's height saying. of ninja movies. Correct. There's so many ninjas. Uh, Revenge of the Ninja, American Jim Ninja. Cotta, American Ninja 1, 2, 3, 4. Like, I could see why he mortgaged his Taekwondo studio. Ninja movies were the shit in the mid-80s. Yeah. But those also had, you know, Golem Globus, the those boys behind them. Yeah. Uh, they had some money behind them. I mean... What I kind of appreciate him was he was coming from a nobody. He did nothing. I mean, yeah. I'm going to make a ninja movie because they're big, and I'm going to put everything I got into it. And while the results might be mixed, you got to respect putting your the balls. Boxy, man, he you got to respect the on the table. putting your balls on the fucking table. You know, that's exactly. And what this he is did. one of those things where, like you know, you said it at the time, it got nowhere, and then you show it again here ten years ago. And people love it. Yeah. It, and, and, you know, I see that happening because, you know, like now, I mean, we're watching it, you know, and it, 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 it and I watched multiple platforms. When it came out about two, three years ago, I watched it. I made the doctor, our missing member, watch it. He loved it. I, I thought it, maybe I made you guys, like, send it to I, you guys. I had seen it. I've never seen cause it. Because I, okay. re- I can't remember where it was. It was on. It ended up on Netflix yeah, or, it did or have Hulu a brief, or somewhere. It was, I know it was on Netflix for a while. And I, and I, yeah, I remember wa- I, I watched it on Netflix. And it was one of those where it's like, there's parts of it where you're like, eh, but then there's other parts where you're like, that's actually kind of cool. That's hilarious. I, I love it. I, I'm at the point now where I, I might be in the minority here. I don't know. We'll figure that out as we talk through it. I find it charming, and I find it uh, that's kind of a weird word to say knowing about it. Ba- knowing the backstory of the director, yeah, I do. Uh, now, now that now that I know it, I didn't know this until just yeah. seconds ago. Yeah, I just find it kind it of it softens a, my a charming attempt. Eye. Do you think in like uh, seven years or so, people are going to f- discover a hipster and be like, Dude. well, you know what's funny is this guy Evan Husney. Uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that name right or. He's definitely not going to give me the time of day. <laughs> I actually sent him. I made a zombie film in Austin in 1998, uh, shooting around in and around Austin, and I actually sent him a copy. Smoke some kill. Smoke some kill. Yeah. Thinking, you know what? 20 year anniversary, and there's a lot of Austin shit in there that doesn't exist anymore. That that's kind of it's kind of this shot on video thing. So uh, he's actually the guy that I sent that to. Like, hey man, maybe you'll appreciate no one. Uh, I never heard back. Come on, dude. Uh, drink. I'm sorry, man. 
It was a good interview with Willie. I'm not going to go to a dark place tonight. Okay. I'm, I'm already headed not. there. Um, Do you think they'll uh, they'll appreciate uh, the Unreliables? We tried to get them at the draft house to play that before the Expendables thing. I got a lot of, like I said, I got some issues with, with the, the draft house people, but they do do some good things. My main my main problem comes from I, I went to a, a day-long marathon there once. Uh, I get the no-talking policy. I respect the no-talking policy for movies. Yeah. I went with our friend Dustin to a day-long marathon of a TV series. It was like 12 episodes, and they showed them all starting at noon to like 8 at night. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It was a, it was a huge thing. Eight hours let the people talk. Yeah, it was, it was called Party Down. It was about this catering company. It was a star series, and we're big fans. Dude, you can't have a party if you're not talking. <sighs> Episode, like, 11, I start talking to Dustin after our third Eight. bucket of Shinerbach, uh, what's the grapefruit beer? Uh, oh. Ruby Redbirds. Yeah. I've had, like, 18 beers over the course of, like, <laughs> seven hours, I, Did you get I finally by lean over to Dustin to whisper something to him like, hey, the guy in this scene. And these two guys sit next to me. Shh. No, we're not allowed to talk. We've been here for fucking eight hours. That's when you just turn around think, and just start pelting them with popcorn. I think I can, well, I don't want to get called out for picking on certain types of people. Just pelt them with popcorn. Maybe like it's a party, damn it! But these two guys were really intent on, hey, draft house. Nobody talks ever. Fucker, it's we've been here for eight hours. <laughs> I've sat next to you and not mumbled a word. Just shh. And like pointed, like we'll tell, we'll tell on you. Fuck it, go ahead and tell. At that point, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, just tell on me. Anyway. That's more of an Austin problem than a draft house problem. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I do like what they do. They do a lot of good stuff, so I'm not I'm not going to say that. And Evan Husney, please watch Smoke Some Kill whenever you get a chance. So. Or Unreliables and Hipster. Yeah, we also have some fun movies you can play before. Uh, Predator and Expendables, if you want to go to our YouTube page, they're all there. <laughs> Short plug. Uh, how's that Diet Coke and rum treating you guys? Mm, the so rum's pretty big. good. I like it. Yeah. Not bad at all. Hey, it's Coke and rum. What are you going to... I can't about? give you more than that. It's Coke and rum. But it's it's got it's got nice sweetness. It's not... There's no harshness. No. Um, I mean, it's not as sweet as Captain Morgan's, but I mean... You well, know. it's not a flavored rum yeah. like Captain Morgan's. Yeah. It is um, not spiced. If you had asked for that though. with your Diet Cokes, I would have had to come draw a line somewhere in the same. Why? Right, drink what you, drink Diet what you like. You should be able to drink what you like, except that nonsense. <laughs> uh, Tut, did you get anything on the... Uh, before we start the movie, uh, you just lit up. Anything on the cold draw? Uh um, oh, I was supposed to cold draw this thing? Yeah. You're just it's, lighting up. It's just, it is a cigar. Uh, I got, you know, very strong hay. Yeah. Uh, in, a, in a mild earthiness? Well, I yes, got a lot but of earth I mean, I got a sweetness there, but I can't identify it. Okay. I can't... It's Mexican San Andres. I mean, it's sweet. It's a sweet, fucking delicious wrapper. So I, I definitely get earthiness and that sweetness on the cold draw. And then when you light that baby up, you get that spice in the Boom. nose. It just smacks you. And then just that Nicaraguan earth on the draw. 
Uh, yeah, this is probably. I think it's my favorite blend that Herrera does. Uh, the Notanio line, I've just, I've always, always gravitated to. It's really, really good. I love that signature spice on the nose. That that San Andreas spice is just it. And through the duration of the smoke, I'm expecting I smoked enough of these. Yeah. It never just leaves, and it goes from the top of your nose to the tip of your nose, wasabi style. Uh, it's just a wonderful spice, and then that jalapa and Esteli, the Nicaraguan tobaccos, give you that earthy profile. Yeah. Um, it is a classic Nicaraguan signature. It actually is, which is kind of curious because you know Willie loves. Uh, sorry, Willie, if I'm projecting. Uh, I think Willie loves a little bit more of a traditional Cuban style. That's actually his go-to type deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he's done with the traditional Nicaraguan profile is just brilliant. I I, I really really appreciate it. Is. it. Um, I, it's a box press, uh, a true box press. We've had some weirdo box press lately. It's a true box press. Um, sp- that spice is just c- so consistent and so good. The Nicaraguan flavors. I think the Honduran binder might be temper things a little bit. I think maybe that. I think that kind of like earths it up. Uh, you think uh, that boosts the earthiness? I think a bit? so. And Nicaraguan tobaccos are pretty earthy to begin with. But uh, to me, Honduras, and I might be off in left field, has a little bit of a dirt profile that it just kind of gives it a little bit of a... Which is nice with that spicy wrapper. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You digging it? (coughs) I am. Getting just, you know, little little spice right now. I mean, I literally just lit it, so I'm... I'm Now, the one thing that I will notice... And uh, I've God, I've smoked enough of these things. I almost always have to relight and touch up around the uh, the uh, two thirds mark once it gets down there. I mean, it's like regardless of whether you're babysitting it or or keeping it, you're 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 maintaining the cigar throughout the entire thing. Regardless of how active you are on it, it yeah. almost always goes out at that two third mark. Okay. Uh, but for something that is this flavorful, this full body. And I, I just love it so much. I don't care about it. I think that it's an easy price to pay. If it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't interfere with your smoking experience, why would you? Yeah. Um, let us know if this one does the same. Like I said, we're smoking the Toro tonight. Um, I will come back to it. Uh, this is the first time I can really remember us featuring a cigar that we smoke a lot of. Yeah. Usually it's a first impression or like, yeah, I've had one of these. Nah, we smoked a lot of these. Yeah. And that's kind of maybe why we should be featuring it because we're, we endorse it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Alright. Miami Connection 1987. You ready, boys? Take me back. Let's do it. So we start things off in the middle of the night. As Wait, the I'm sorry. You forgot the logo entrance of There is video logo entrance. Oh my gosh. Did you guys gosh. watch this on SD or HD? HDX. I'm not, I don't know what HDX You paid the extra dollar for that? I guess so. I actually paid less. I paid $2.99 on Vudu 
for the SD because I'm like I want to watch this like I'm watching a VHS tape. I don't I don't. Oh, but even hang. even the upscale of it still had all the, it had all the grain, all the film inaccuracies. Okay, good. That's good to know. Uh, the, the the VHS uh, or the uh, maybe there original was a fog on my television. <laughs> tried to squeegee. The original logo comes up for the distribution company, and then a caption comes up in quotes somewhere in Miami. As a drug deal, Miami Vice style. Who wants to do another Miami Vice shot? I only have one more. Uh, you go I'll ahead do and do that. I'll, I'll do it later. But where could it be in Miami? That could be anywhere. You know, Miami Vice style drug deals going down. There's a small army of white dudes in members only jackets carrying Mac tens. Oh, the Mac they, ten. There's no, another look. group of drug guys in fedoras and cowboy hats, and they're also carrying. They Mac-10. all the Mac tens was man. all they could afford. Oh man, mid eighties in the mid eighties. That, that was, was your gun. gun. That yeah. was your gun. The screw Mac, this AK. Uh, screw the. Uh, and I love there's the one guy AR-15. who's got the Mac ten. And the extra handle next to it. Oh which, yeah! Like as if, <laughs> as if that little gun was gonna get away from you. I got a stabilizer. It's like because literally you're literally just your handle touching. I mean, it's that tiny of a gun. It's so tiny. Man, I the put Mac- the stabilizer out front. And I shot myself. <laughs> Mac Ten is definitely an error. Piece. Funny they show the guy with the stabilizer like. <laughs> oh man. Well, once the cocaine being sold has been tested using the age-old method of jabbing the baggie with a switchblade, then sticking your finger in it and shoving up your nose. Well, I was waiting for that one guy off the side. Hooker you could just open the side. No, no, never mind. Never mind. You gotta it's, jab fine. it with a switchblade. Stick your finger in it. And Hooker knows it's, it's, he tasted it. He just tastes it. He, want, he wants to see. If Hooker knows it. it's cocaine. T.J. Hooker. And I like how he he really lets him know like. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh, nobody speaks anything in this other thing. Uh-huh. There's no chemist but I lo- there. My other thing is I love how the two bad, evil leaders both show up with fedoras, but nobody else has a fedora on. There's cowboy hats. That's, that's how you know that they're the leaders. They're the guys. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to wear a fedora if you're not the main... I was, I was like, waiting for... The big cheese. I really... Because I, I show you there's this whole thing where like one of them's standing around and then shows the other group walking up. <laughs> I was like gonna wait till like one of them gets there and he's gonna look over. There's a just third dude wearing a fedora. He's like, wait, knock it off. Like, do I talk to him? <laughs> who, I'm so confused. Who are we dealing with here? I stick the switchblade in. He puts his finger in the shit. Oh, you're a tandem. Uh, well, that little test proves it's the good shit. Suddenly, a crew of highly trained ninjas on motorcycles descend and attack, led by a white ninja. Storm Shadow. Uh, Storm Shadow. I say white ninja. It's not a white guy. It's, it's a ninja in white robes. Because uh, we're in the dark, and I'm just going to stand out. I'm going to lean up against the tree so and just glow yeah, a, in the, the show dark. Off ninja. We'll call him the show-off ninja. Uh, the squadron, then, of black ninjas immediately make mincemeat of all these drug dealers. Ninja stars to the throat. They hack off limbs with their swords. Some bad guys fight back. It was surprising how many of these white guys in members only jackets knew karate. They're doing high kicks. Well, they're they're like grabbing like, shields and like. My favorite is there's a guy like right when the they ninjas all do attack this. before this before they grab a shield or do anything they do this. Hiya! They all do the hiya. That's how you know they're karate experts. But there's a guy. I don't know who this guy was. I don't know why he did it. But <laughs> ninjas attack. He jumps up on the table. Like, just that was his go-to move. I'm going to jump up on the table and start shooting. Shouldn't you have, like, 
gotten behind something no, or these guys, flipped the table over. You've got a Mac-10, you're fearless. Exactly. Apparently man. so, but I'm like, first thing I'm going to do is make myself as big a visible target as possible. <laughs> I was waiting. I saw him jump up. I was expecting him, like, you know, Ninja be like, well, all right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Despite these guys portraying some, hi-ya! The ninjas make mincemeat of these fools. I mean, literally, he, literally, one dude gets chopped in the skull with the sword. Like the dude doesn't even yeah. just like he doesn't kill him. He just like chops no, his skull. The, these guys can high yaw as much as they want. The white dudes and the and I think the other guys are Cuban. I'm guessing it's I'm Miami. It's, the guys selling the coke are Cuban. Blood, their blood is quickly splattered everywhere. No, that my night guess on the is docks. if it's the '80s, they're Colombian. Colombian. So? Well, they never stood a chance. With these ninjas. Not against motorcycle riding ninjas. Uh, the ninjas claim victory and ride Riders off... Ninjas by day! Ninjas by <laughs> night! Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the ninjas claim victory. They grab the cocaine and ride off into the night. They go back to their dojo slash headquarters, where the white ninja takes off his mask and scolds his soldiers. You forgot the most important thing, the money! TNCZ style. <laughs> you had one job! <laughs> Well, I really wanted him to be like, <laughs> grab the Coke. I wanted him to be like, all right, bring me the money. Oh, oh shit. And just looking oh, at each no. other like, oh, shit. I just wanted him to like, get uh, up at that point, grab a sword, and stab the nearest guy. Uh, did I you thought he was going to lop off some heads because of that. No. He says, he's a forgiving uh, dojo master. He says, how dare you forget the most important thing, but I got it. He actually grabbed the briefcase full of money. But I won't tolerate any more mistakes. I, I just want him to point down to the end. More mistakes coming up. I just want him to point down to it, especially from you. <laughs> <laughs> Buckus! No, no, nobody gets killed. He, I just—they totally dropped the ball and didn't get the briefcase for one, but he got it. But yeah. I like—I like that leadership style. I like that leadership style. I was at least hoping you like point out a teachable moment, but you don't—you don't kill anybody right then. I was hoping there'd be like a second me in command ninja. That's why you like me, ninja that shows up like in red, like you know the butt kiss, kill someone. Like could be like the huge guy, like the ninja suit, just barely. Couldn't even wrap it around him. Oh, speaking of huge guys, we've got a huge ninja coming up. <laughs> well, now we go to our opening credit montage, which begins, and it's a Bikers fucking by day, ninjas by night. It's a fucking doozy voice. We ride motorcycles, <laughs> all right. I love Mr. Diet Coke, who's uh. had more rum than any of us tonight. <laughs> we see the ninjas riding around in broad daylight, out of their ninja costumes on motorcycles. They're bikers now. The music tells us, Tut. Bikers by day, ninjas by night. We ride motorcycles, all right. We also see a rock band tearing it up on stage. We cut back and we see the ninjas training at their dojo. Violence is their motto with no fear of death. No fear of death. There's a lot going on here. Uh, We then cut to Orlando, where Central Florida's hottest nightclub, the Park Avenue is welcoming the band Dragon Sound on stage. A new dimension in rock and roll. Say that again. <laughs> Never before seen or will be seen again dimension in rock and roll. Just as the ninja's leader, Yashito, the white ninja, is showing up at the club with his biker crew to deliver the coke to a guy with a sweet-ass beard named Jeff. As they enter the club, the yeah. the ninjas point out that Jeff's sister, Jane, is up on stage with Dragon Sound. What is this? 
as they're playing their song Friends. It's a rocking tune about friendship, friendship forever, loyalty, honesty, depending on each other, playing to win, all that good shit I wish you two took more seriously. And the lyrics really are, friendship forever, loyalty, honesty. Did you listen to that at all? Maybe soak it in a little bit? Well, I have some issues on this podcast, so yes, I did. And Jeff doesn't like seeing her up there singing one bit. Jane isn't supposed to be here. I've got a major drug deal to pull off, and I don't need these distractions. Man, the band Dragon Sound is comprised of a bunch of white guys with mustaches, mullets, no, no there's shirts. there's a black dude in there. There's one African-American guy. And a sweet, sweet ass. And they're John... Oats mustache. Oh, it's, it's a glorious mustache. And they're all wearing white martial art pants. And he looks like John Oates. And there's one Korean guy in the band wearing a full martial arts uniform as he performs some blazing guitar solos. My God. No. They are on fire. No. <laughs> and the crowd in that smoky nightclub is eating it up. Am I wrong? The crowd they loves are. it. Oh, of course. I they mean, how are you going to bag on Dragon Sound? Well, the next morning at the University of Central Florida... Jane is pulled out of her computer programming class by her boyfriend and fellow bandmate John, who looks a lot like the TNCC owns Doctor circa 1996. He really does. (laughs) He looked like the Doctor 20 years ago. Dude, this dude was tall and lanky. As they walk across campus, John says, you know, we've been dating for several months. I'd like to meet some of your family. But she tells him both her parents are dead, and her brother, who pays for her schooling, her dorm, everything really... He's incredibly jealous, and he runs with a really bad crowd. Boom. Just like clockwork in the parking lot then, her brother Jeff, dressed now in full camo stuff, still sleeveless, uh, and his gang of drug-dealing thugs pulls up in a convertible and corners the lovebirds. Jane says, Hi, Jeff. This is my friend John. Where'd you find this son of a bitch? Oh, my God. And it's, like, not even ni- nice. He's just yelling right Uh-oh. off the bat. Where'd you find this son of a bitch? What the fuck? Uh-oh. He's just a friend, Jane says, which angers Jeff big time. A friend? He high kicks John to the ground. Kicks him right in the face. How can you go out with this piece of shit? And all his minions start cheering him on. Uh, Jeff is not a fan of John. No. Uh, upon first I, meeting him. Yes, we, we were very aware of that. But I'm amazed sounds, at all of these white karate skills. It sounds like a lot like the first time I, w- I met my wife's family. Hey guys, this is Cade. What you meet this son of a bitch? <laughs> Roundhouse kick to the face. God. Hey, I want him over. I want him over. I kid, I kid. Uh, well, luckily, John and Jane's dragon sound bandmates happen to be walking nearby, and they rush over to save John's ass. He's about to get beat big time. Jeff tells them, leave her alone. And they get out of there, and the situation is quickly diffused. That's about the way it was delivered. John whimpers. If Jane wasn't there, I'd kick all their asses. Sure you would. You actually delivered that one uh, better. You know who else whimpers in the face of adversity, boys? Who? That's right, Yak Boy. Our good friends over at Drew State. They whimper in the face of adversity? No, they don't. They oh, never. Uh, I was about to say. No, they I, never whimper. I, I also thought you No, said. they never whimper <laughs> in the face of adversity. Gotcha. The almighty Drew State. They never whimper. Uh, they also make tobacco special cigars. Uh, the same folks who brought you Liga Pravada, Undercrown, Nika Rustica, and more. Your choice of either extra dark Connecticut broadleaf or natural Connecticut shade wrappers 
envelope, a Sumatra binder, and a Nicaraguan Criollo. Willie said it. I tried to. <laughs> he did say uh, it. Criollo uh, filler leaves. Before aging, the cigars are slowly, slowly infused with Nicaraguan and steak room coffee. The smoke is medium to full bodied, depending on the wrapper. Its rich tobacco flavors commingling with the unmistakable aroma of coffee and some sweetness. I'm a fan. Tut's a fan. Yes. Yak Boy's a fan. We love them, and you will too. Seek them out. It is a unique experience. Try it. And while we're talking about cigars, Tut, I'm looking at beautiful ash. Oh, look at that ash. Oh, my God. Stack, that is gorgeous. A stack of quarters. That is gorgeous. Uh, what do you guys think of tonight's cigar? Oh, you know I'm a fan. Uh, one of the things that I really appreciate it is that on the very back of the palate, you've got a nice soaking of leather going on. Lots of leather. It's just really, really good. little cedar on the front end, mm-hmm. leather on the back. Mm-hmm. Spice consistent on the nose. Yes. Um, if you're like in the mood for a strong cigar that's going to give you spice and some strong earthy flavors... And that's one of the things I love about it, is that strength. Yeah, it's got strength. It's got balls. It, it like totally the little does. bird on its label. Like the little bird, the cliff-hanging I'm, bird, the cliff-guardian bird. The cliff-guardian bird, it's got he those huge... He just told us that those are not balls. Giant <laughs> testicles down there. Of course. I'm glad... Uh, those are some big testicles. I'm glad, Willie. I always thought, like, strong-ass cigar. Look at that bird's balls. They hang down just, like a foot under him. They're so big. <laughs> Me style. It's a male bird. How can you tell? <laughs> it's big-ass balls. balls. Uh, you're enjoying it? Oh, I yes, yes. Okay, me too. This is one of those few times. Leather, cedar, spice, right on the nose. Right on the nose. I'm I mean, proud of like, you, Cody. That's right, but it's also right on the nose. But I could see a guy who enjoys more mild to lower side enjoying this. I mean, yeah. it's not a like I told Willie. It's not a kick you in the balls powerhouse. It's not. The spice never goes there. See, I will disagree with you because I think the strength is there, but it's not like a strength that is so ratcheted up that makes you hiccup and start doing all that nonsense. It just... Have I sneezed once? It's a subtleness that is just really, really well played. A lot of people, you know, when they go for a strength in a cigar, they might not know what they're doing, and it's yeah. just they overload it. I bet and they this laugh is just when I nice sneeze my ass off on the podcast. I'm like, he can't take it. I'm sneezing and sneezing. And just, my eyes are watering. It's so well-balanced. Uh, the earthiness and the cedar and the leather are so well-balanced with that spice. There's a reason why we're doing this tonight, guys. Uh, it's time to shine a spotlight on the Nortenia. Uh, and I will come back to it very shortly. I promise. Uh, getting back to you the movie. better come back to it. Getting back to the movie. Uh, in a rather interesting scene, we then go back to the Park Avenue Club, where Dragon Sound plays, where the promoter is being confronted by the old house band who is replaced by Dragon Sound. This never goes good. It never goes good. You son of a bitch. You dare replace me with Dragon Sound? Hey, man. They play music for the kids, and the kids love it. You play music for old people. Which, looking at these people, I, I, I believe... And a karate fight breaks out, as it always does <laughs> in 1987 Miami. So the club owner knows Taekwondo, everyone too? Everyone knows. My, apparently, everyone in mid-1980s Miami knows karate. And the promoter, this one dude, swiftly beats the shit out of all this other band. He gets them into submission. The, until pr- the promoter l- looks like the tall guy from Roadhouse. Yeah. And yet, he's throwing down some Taekwondo He moves. beats that entire band senseless and sends them licking their wounds. 
I want to know what kind of music exactly this group of middle-aged guys in cheap suits was playing that didn't get in the crowd. I kind of want to say, I kind of want to hear it. Air, Su- Air Supply and Toto covers? <laughs> I'm thinking so. I'm thinking that's probably what, 1987? That's probably what's going to All I want to do when I wake up in the morning is see you Boo, get off the stage. I'm Rosanna, fine. Rosanna. You're too old. Uh, well, we'll we'll learn later that this band really shouldn't be starting fights with anybody because they spend the whole movie picking fights and getting and getting their fucking asses kicked. We then, Unlike Rosanna, they didn't meet them all the way. No, they no, didn't. no, they didn't. Uh, we then joined Jeff, the bearded brother of Jane. Uh, he's changed out of his camo fatigues into a nice three-piece suit as he makes a drug transaction at the Ninja's Dojo. The white ninja asks him about his sister. What about your sister? And he says, hey, she's still hanging out with that damn band Dragon Sound. But I promise I got a plan to fix that so we can focus on business and we'll have total control of Miami without Dragon Sound getting in the way. They're just playing up on stage. I I love how the fact that the white ninja is concerned about his sister. You need to take care of your sister. Otherwise, we cannot do our drug What's going on with your sister? Look, I'm taking care of that band. How are they getting away with anything? I was waiting for the White Ninja so uh, she's, you know, does she have a significant other? (laughs) Have you mentioned her? (laughs) Did you mention my name? Speaking of Dragon Sound, (laughs) they're hanging out at Uncle Song's Chinese restaurant where they're woofing down some grub before their big gig that night. Man, that Asian food looked good. Oh, yeah, it did. You guys like Asian food? I do. Very much so. I think we might have covered this when they went to the restaurant in Hamburger. Uh... I love me some Asian food. Well, I mean, if it's like the restaurant and hamburger, yeah, who doesn't like that kind well, of Asian food? Well, everybody loves that Asian food and hamburger. Do you guys ever feel guilty going <laughs> to an Asian restaurant and ordering General Chow's chicken? No, no, I do not. I, I absolutely do not. I love General Tso's. Me too. Me too. But I it's do. like, do you ever like, they have like a menu of like 80, number care. 8. It goes to like I, number I, 115. You're I like, do not care. I'll take the number 5. I do not care. No, I love it so damn much. I, I want you to make probably it. over there like just just say number five. Just I don't want to have to make those other things are. Complicated. I always feel like they're judging. I always feel like they they never show it, but I feel like they're judging me when I ordered the general's chicken because I'm like, of course you are. They. <laughs> oh, they oh oh oh! You didn't go the beef and broccoli. That was our number one guess. <laughs> they might judge me on that, but at the same time, I'm always like, and I want. Those three chili peppers better be three chili peppers. Don't make it white guy hot. I want the full works. And they're uh, always like, really? Yeah. Uh, not, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Hit me with it. So we're in the same boat there. We, yes. We all do it. Okay, good. Now, I do like me some Thai food. That makes it feel okay. better. I do not, when I'm there, order a Diet Coke. I order a Yingling, or a, a Kirin or a... I usually like wine. A, Asahi beer. I try to go... Sapporo. Know, Sapporo. I used to like wine for it. Wine with your General's Chicken? Yeah. Mm, that's weird. Interesting. Uh, well, a nice what, dry cab. What a gig it is, boys. We join them on stage at the Park Avenue. Jane has taken over lead vocals. And she's singing their new hit song, Against the Ninja. Against the Ninja. Coincidence? They're fighting ninjas now? I think not. With everybody in the club clapping along the chorus, Taekwon, Taekwon. All right, first of all, it was funny because you got a bunch of white people in this club that can't clap on beat to save their life. 
It was like sometimes it was on the one and the three, sometimes it was on the two and but the, the four. But the band was always on it. Taekwon, Taekwon. Oh, of course. You had fucking John Oates on the lead guitar, The, the man. lyrics are direct and righteous. Against the ninja, we will fight to battle the sin. Against the ninja, we will stop this senseless killing. We will stop this evil war. Dude, she saw what the ninja's doing to her brother, and she's written some lyrics. That they're activists at this point. She's a working man's poet. The promoter is loving it more than anybody else. Seeing all the youngsters in the crowd drinking and clapping along, you can tell the band is gaining popularity because the dudes that were previously the guys up on stage, the first time we saw them, they were bare-chested. They had no shirts. Right. Now they've got Dragon Sound t-shirts with the sleeves cut off. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. not, not going to lie. I will order that shirt. That's when you know you've made it, folks, whether it's a rock band when or a podcast. When you've got enough scratch to have some t-shirts made, and when you've really, really got it made, you can cut the sleeves off your fucking t-shirts. By the way, if you want a Tuesday Night Cigar Club paraphernalia, go to the TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, hit the shop button, and then you order some either dark shirts or Tuesday Night Logo shirts. We've got some hoodies. You know, that's nice. If you want the boot of remembrance, we got that there as well. Good good job, Ty. Uh They even had some mild pyrotechnics on stage. When they finished the song and they hit their last guitar, some fireworks, like Kiss style, some, well... Great white style. I burned say down mild the club. Pirate. <laughs> <laughs> should have been burned down. The- it was just a little fireworks go off. Uh, die, go oh, man, fucking die, awesome. Go they're, die, go they're blowing up. I, I'm not lying about that. car money. We bought t-shirts. Park Avenue is fireworks. the hottest club in Miami, and they're blowing up. I'm not lying. I want that shirt. We'll get it. We'll get it. But you know who doesn't think all this is fucking awesome? Who? That Toto cover band that got the boot for <laughs> Dragon Sound. <laughs> That night, they blocked the road downtown. I bet they're a Kansas cover band. And, dude, they blocked the entire road downtown to where Dragon Sound can't get home. And they pulled the members of Dragon, Dragon Sound out of their convertible, and a major street fight unfolded. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of fans of this cover band. 50. <laughs> At yeah. least 50 dudes. The lone Asian guitar player of Dragon Sound, Mark, played by director YK Kim. Was that? That's was him. That, okay. He starts beating their asses with his Taekwondo skills. Again, there's like 50 of them with baseball bats Somehow and Miami, pipes. They're Miami, big on pipes. 1987 Miami has turned into an episode from uh, the Warriors. It was the Warriors. I was it waiting really for guys was. with like painted faces and baseball bats to come running out. It really was. I was waiting for the fireman suits, that gang to come back. Hey, and it turns out boy, Jane's boyfriend, John, uh, American Jim, all the other band members, they know how to fight as well. So we see that seven foot tall dude's got some. Uh, yeah, we see taekwondo we see a, a real street fight. Even the Hall and Oates Baba Booey guy, he's, <laughs> he he knows how to kick and shit. He's like seventy five pounds and he's throwing some roundhouse. Dude, kicks. Dragon Sound fairly easily takes out this giant group of angry drunk guys. Hey, they sing the lyrics. They walk the walk. Am I right? That's right. That's right, Kate. That's right. Uh, we do not take your shit anymore. And I'll, I'll admit, this downtown scene, it's kind of an impressive set piece as far as low-budget fight sequences go. Actually I mean, is. they shut down several no. down... But I say that with a little hesitation because what I said was, the rumored budget thing's a million bucks. For a million bucks, it's not spent anywhere else in the movie. It's you not should, a million bucks. You though. should be able to shut down 
I, I a really, couple streets. Yeah, I don't think it was that much. But I will say, you know, Cody, I think, had a really good aesthetic comparison with the Warriors because that downtown sequence kind of did. That was the first thing that popped into my mind was Warriors. Well, regardless, unlike the Warriors where their battles, like, took an impact on them and they're like, man, what are we going to do? Nope, not with these guys. <laughs> the band makes their way relatively unfazed back to their shared apartment. The, they decide to start taking turns showering. Well, I mean, and the other guys just hang out half naked. Nobody even mentions the giant fucking street fight, fight they took part in. <laughs> eh, we're okay. It's just another day in Dragon Sound land. Jim receives a letter in the mail in a highly emotional, don't laugh, and somewhat confusing scene. He begins crying. Hey, more tears than Lori Laughlin had in our last That is movie. true. Uh, it turns out he's been searching for his father for many years. Mark, the Korean dude, says... I thought we were all orphans. We mean you got a father. You're living here because we're all orphans. Do you think that was the uh, the one ads thing in the Dragon Sound classifier? It was like looking for bass player. Bass must player be orphan. must be orphan. And no taekwondo. And no taekwondo and no whatsoever hope of finding family. No, he he betrays that. Jim is all about finding his father, and he says he's crying. My mom left me. Oh, my God. I just always wanted to find my father. I'm sorry. The exposition in this despite, is so... But, dude, despite all my letters to the Defense Department, I've been writing the military. He was in the Army, and I just, I've always tried to find him. Despite all those tears and all his searching, he comes up with nothing once again. Were you, you guys moved by this scene? It is so civic theater. Yes, I was. To but take, I, fought, I, fought, I, I fought back the urge to press fast forward. <laughs> you guys drink while you're watching this movie? No, unfortunately not. Uh, no, I was drinking. It's very community theater, uh, extremely over the top. But he actually shed real tears. I'll give him that. He did. It's the same thing with the uh, uh, Bonnie or whatever her name, Betty is, Bobby Boop. The Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Well, no the 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 main chick. Jane? 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 Yeah, that's... Okay. Oh, yeah, she's terrible in this. She, she exhibits her expo- no Her exposition about her family's history and yeah. stuff like that, it was just the same, just community my theater. My dad killed my mother. My mother died. My dad died soon after that. My brother, he... You don't want to know him. Yeah, okay, she, she's, so we waited through that. She's reading the line. But this guy, he at least... He tries. Swung, he's he trying, swung man. for the fence. He's trying. He swung for the fence. The next day, we joined Dragon Sound down the beach as they splash each other in the ocean... And cruise around in Korean Mark's convertible. They're having a blast. All right. Even the mustache John Oates Baba Booey guy is, <laughs> is flexing and coming on to babes. Hey, baby, they don't make buns like that in the bakery. Oh, God. Want to be with a rock star? Oh, God. He's trying. He's trying. I thought he might have been trying for the opposite gender for... It was the 80s. Well, I'm not going to lie. Normally, I don't get that nostalgic... But watching this beach scene, I was like, those are some nice buds. You don't see that in the bakery. I just, I, I thought Baba might have gone the other way. <laughs> Their hit song Friends is playing over all this, and I realize here that these guys truly have a friendship the likes of which I can only imagine. What the fuck? What, what? Well, the guys are living it up on South Beach. Dude. I'm getting in the shower first tonight. 
You're getting the last. I mean, Cody and I got to go topless while you're showering. It'll, it'll be me. No, Cody can go after me. By that time, the hot water might run out. But fuck you after you that. Your friends. <laughs> we'll go back to the TNCC crash pad. Well, the guys are living it up on South Beach. Uh, Jane and John are making out like crazy on a raft. She didn't care what her brother says. The house band that got fired shows up all bloodied and bruised to the gym where Jeff's crew is lifting weights and oh martial arts training. This, guy, this, this band that got fired, they're not letting up. Can't let it go. The band's leader. Is it weird, right, that the band's all wearing like suits in three-piece suits? Like, that's why the kids they don't, don't look, like them. They don't look exactly. They're playing exactly. for old people. That's it's what the promoter told them. Uh, <laughs> that solidifies my theory. They were a soft-ass air supply cover band. Uh, maybe a few stick songs thrown in there for good measure, but they 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 suck. The lead singer tells Jeff if he will take out Dragon Sound and get them their gig at the Park Avenue back. Any money we make is yours. That doesn't make any sense at all. So why do you want this gig back if you're going to give it all to Jeff? He just but wants hey, it back so we bad. We finally see some emotion from Jeff. It's that damn band again, CM Punk says. Sorry, Jeff said. <laughs> then he looked like CM Punk, the wrestler. He actually kind of did. He looked a lot a like. He looked like a lot like CM Punk. <laughs> uh, and he kind of and he kind of yells it, kind of. Oh no no no! They there's only one verbal cue that they have, and that's yelling. Yelling, especially you the either just, you either just read the lines like they're right off camera, like on a poster board, or you yell. Or it. you yell it, especially the Kansas cover band. Man, they were just yeah. yelling all the time. Well, meanwhile, after an intense Taekwondo practice session on the University of Central Florida's quad, that's where they all go to school. Uh, no. Student I'm, center. It's no, quad. I'm arguing the word intense. Oh, no. Well, this is the most horrible... It's basically all the band members trying to attack Mark, the Korean guy, with a knife, and he it softly so softly turns their knife away. And it is so slow. It's it very slow. So They're slow fighters. Oh, God. It is like... I mean, I understand choreography has come a long way in 20 years, which it really has. This isn't the Matrix. But, oh my <laughs> God, it is just like... It's like... <laughs> and they got like a rubber knife that, you know, he turns and... Yeah, it's and horrible, it's, man. Well, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. Taekwondo is all about love and peace, man. Love and peace. I love the fact that it's like, all right, so the knife thrust goes and then the knife sits there for two seconds then he grabs the arm of the knife it's oh it's it's a very prolonged peaceful practice session all right fine it's not intense i should have said non-intense i'm sorry uh well one of the lunkhead band members jack i think you're right the bass player that's the big tall guy, right? Yeah, yeah. who also kind of looks like the doctor. The doctor. Uh, he says he expressed some doubts about playing another gig at the Park Avenue. He just doesn't want to see his friends get hurt. Jeff's always going to be there selling his stupid cocaine and kicking John's ass for dating his sister. I just don't want to do it anymore. But Mark... Jack was dating his sister. That's what I said, Jack. He did. No, oh, John. Okay. John. John, Jack. It doesn't help that they all have names to start with. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's what I said. Ju- who's the tall bass guy or the tall bass player? Jeff is the guy who's having trepidation. John is the guy dating Jane. Okay. All right. There you go. Jane's <laughs> always going to have problems with about Jeff. Jim? About John. Where's Jim? Jim is not here right now. Okay. He's the African-American fellow who's looking for his dad. 
But Mark, the Asian, explains... <laughs> he's the only guy with a non-J name. We've got to separate these guys somehow. Mark. <laughs> the traditional Asian Korean name of Mark. Mark explains that until they get another paying gig, they must continue to play at the Park Avenue. After all, they have school to pay for. That makes sense. UCF. And why uh, would they want to quit? They're making bank at this and club. And they're gaining popularity. Oh, yeah. They got t-shirts and they can cut the sleeves out. But when Jack suggests a Dragon Sound World Tour, oh. where they visit all the countries of their missing parents, because they're all orphans, <laughs> and promote peace and love through Taekwondo, the guys are all in for it. I'm, I'm for this. Hey, we can even eat food in each country, says an excited and mentally stunned John. That's right. <laughs> James Boyd goes, hey, while we're there, we can eat their food. You're right, You're right John. John. We can eat and sustain ourselves. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. fantastic. You go sit back down over there. You just have your seat in a little seat over there. Which Mark, though, the Asian's like, speaking of food, Uncle Song is expecting them tonight before the gig, despite the problems he's been having recently. He's what problem, what problem is this, I'm, Mark? I'll tell you what problem, Tut, and Mark, and Yaks. Apparently a bunch of ruffians have been eating at the restaurant without honoring their bill. Oh, and when we cut to Uncle Song's restaurant, he's karate chopping these <laughs> dudes' asses after they walk out without pain, just as the Dragon Sun boys pull up in Mark's convertible. They follow Uncle Song back in the restaurant, and despite all the high fives he receives for kicking some ass, he reminds them. I, I know I just kicked a lot of ass for walking out. <laughs> they ordered. They all ordered General Cho's for one thing. <laughs> they all ordered General Cho's. That's when I knew... I was dealing with dumb Americans. <laughs> he doesn't say that. But I want to remind you of something, boys. Taekwondo is in the mind and in the heart. It's a way of life. That's what makes Dragon Sound stick together to be the best. When Mark and the rest of Dragon Sound, Jane has joined them now at the restaurant, get their bellies full of uh, Asian food, they head back to the car. There's a note on the windshield from Jeff, Jane's brother, Telling them, meet me downtown at the railroad tracks. They decide they must go and get this over once and for all. Or they could have just uh, big happenings no. in Little Miami. Big trouble in Little Miami. But before the showdown can take place, Jane marches into Jeff's gym, where uh. all the guys are lifting weights and fight each other in the dark for some reason. It's like... We have cocaine money, but we don't have that much. Let's kill the lights at eight o'clock. Yeah, but even their it's pitch dar- dark and they're fighting each other. But even their darkness, I could still see all the action. Unlike, unlike Game, of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Well, that's Game yeah. Of Thrones I'm still problem. bitter. I'm still bitter. Well, she demands he leaves Dragon Sound alone. She loves John, and she's old enough to make her own decisions. Jeff says, we're family, you and I. You concentrate on school and nothing else. I'll take care of the rest. I don't want your life. Which is very Scarface. That's Scarface and his little sister. Uh, It was a very popular movie. Was Scarface before this? Yes. 85, maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Total Scarface ripoff. And I think that's exactly what they're going for here. So Jane, in fact, does not thwart the showdown, and the next day, Mark's convertible, full of fingerless glove-wearing taekwondo-fighting rock and rollers, cruises down to the railroad tracks, and it is on. Mark, John, and the rest of Dragon Sound kick a whole lot of ass until Jeff, who's been sitting in the car, he doesn't get out, just stroking his beard, just watching <laughs> it all. Uh, he yells out, the cops show up, 5-0, 5-0! 
And all of a sudden, when the cops show up, everybody scrambles away. Everybody gets in their cars and scrambles away. Dude, this is the great part. The befuddled cops show up. The 20 cars full of of, of everybody is clearly driving off. Where'd they go? <laughs> uh, I don't know. They're literally in the same shot as you. I can see them right now. Uh, despite a dozen cars racing away, the cops are befuddled. And By the way, I, I want to take a little bit of a production note. 5-0 refers to the Mustang 5-0 that came out about this time. And the undercover cops chose this car for its power and maneuverability. And highway troopers used to always drive the, the Mustang 5.0. And that's why everybody was like, 5-0. Is that where 5-0 comes from? That's where 5-0 comes from. I don't think he actually. I think I injected but wait that. A I don't. Why five O was like? No, no, no. Wait before I, that. I think I inject. He didn't actually say five O. He said police, police, police. Oh, okay. Because none of them were actually driving Mustangs. Well, but now I'm questioning my five O Mustang theory because Hawaii five O was in the seventies. I think five O is police lingo. I think it has nothing to do with the Mustang five O. <laughs> Because I actually never, now I think about it, I never saw cops driving a Mustang. I only saw oh, drug man. dealers driving 5.0. No, and and, uh, and when I was growing up in Lufkin, when the DPS got the 5.0, the Mustang 5.0, oh yeah, that was big happenings. That was cool. Like okay. Ralph Macchio said in The Outsiders, Mustangs, okay. they're tough. All right. Well, then, for the first time in a long while, we see the white ninja, Yashito, and his fellow ninja bikers cruising the mean streets of Miami. And they're chugging beer. They're out of their ninjas. They're just wearing like normal biker stuff. Bikers by day. And they're chugging beers and laughing up with a ton of real bikers, like white guy bearded bikers. They park at a real biker bar with white biker chicks swinging their bare white titties all around. Everybody seems to embrace Yoshito and his Asian biker crew. Because they know that Yoshito will kick their ass. They're ninjas. I think it might be because he has coke. Oh, yeah. And just <laughs> suitcases of cocaine. I think he has just a god man of cocaine. Everybody knows that I cocaine... I think if they embrace the Asian... Co- no, no, no. He's got a shitload of everybody drugs. Everybody knows that cocaine opens doors. When Jeff shows up at the gathering, Yoshido takes him into the biker bar and starts getting liquored up, despite the fact he's been unable to rid the city of Dragon Sound. Did you... Jeff says... When Yoshido asks him about Jeff says, their leader, Mark, knows Taekwondo, and he's really tough. Well, guess what? The white ninja, Yoshido, really doesn't give a shit as yet another white chick takes her top off and shoves his head in her titties. I'm all about this right now, Jeff. Uh, priorities. You don't really give a shit about Dragon Sound at that moment. Talk to me in the morning. I've got 50-year-old white titties in my face. We'll talk tomorrow. Okay. A lack of discipline from the ninjas. But uh, maybe they're trying to teach Jeff something. Just just relax, man. Just oh. party. TNCC, man. Just party. Just party. Well, across town at their mutually shared apartment, not that there's anything wrong with that, mm-hmm. Dragon Sound is working hard on schoolwork, and Baba Booey is composing a killer keyboard riff for a new track he wants to debut at their next gig at the Park Avenue. And guess what? All of Baba Booey and the rest of theirs band's hard nose to the grindstone grindstone effort effort is paying off because when they leave their on-campus housing next morning they're starting to get fans there's college kids waiting outside dragon sound they want that sweet shirt man they're they're doing it hell yeah so high on life they pile into mark's convertible in search of pizza hey you get some success you get pizza 
But once they get to the pizza parlor, everyone rushes, jumps out of the convertible and rushes in the restaurant, leaving Baba Booey behind to park the car. And he's immediately kidnapped by Jeff's gang and taken back to Jeff's gym slash headquarters. I love how they just drive up next to him and he just stands there like, what? What's, What's going, going on? on? Who? <laughs> and the dude gets out and just like hits him like. I just, I just, he's 75 pounds. I just love, you know, we, we travel a lot. As a podcast, I love how like you do all the driving. You pull into the pizza parlor. Me and Tut just <laughs> bail. bail. Like, <laughs> good luck parking. See you later. Well, later that night, we see uh, that they've tied Baba Booey. I-, I learned his name was Tom. Tom. Finally, a name that's not a J name. <laughs> not John or Jeff or Jerry. Or it was Jom. No, it's jo- yeah. It's Tom. Uh, they've tied him up, Jeff's gang, with ropes down at some kind of rock quarry, and they're beating his ass with baseball bats. That's not good. His mustache seems to be hanging in there, though. I thought his mustache would start snapping. Don't, don't touch it. Don't touch it. be outside of Miami's? Where's a rock quarry going to be at? I just... I don't know. <laughs> Come to the old Miami rock quarry. What? Do y'all have everything here? Apparently they do. Apparently Miami's rocking. Ah, I saw what you did there. I didn't mean to. Uh, Despite the location being heavily guarded by Jeff's highly trained drunken morons, Dragon Sound Sound is able to infiltrate the quarry and kick everybody's ass to save their friend. All Mark and the man really had to do was wait until dark when everybody was drunk, and then it was fairly easy. (laughs) For a dude trading in rather large amounts of cocaine regularly... Jeff still hasn't found it necessary to arm his guys with Mac tens. Hey, bamboo sticks and pipes. They're, you, they're they're not ninjas, but they're close. Hey, we got a couple new recruits. Baseball bats. <laughs> well, apparently they're spending, that'll do. That'll do. He can't afford that because he keeps buying them gym memberships. <laughs> his gym. You can give him a guest pass. Uh, dude, it's totally TNC style. Like we trained all day. Let's go out there. Six hours later. We're drinking those Miami shot. We're so oh, drunk. hey, we got another Miami shot. We're so drunk on Miami shots that we can't, like, defend what we're supposed to I got defend. another Miami Vice shot. That's all you, dude. That is all you. All right, here we go. We still don't know what's in these things or if it's slowly killing me. They're natural flavors. No, there was some artificial stuff, too. Oh. Natural and artificial flavors. Ugh. Well, that... Poor decision making is ultimately to Jeff's detriment as he gets in a one on one martial arts battle with Mark, the main Taekwondo Korean guy. Mark's a badass. And he, well, Jeff finally gets out of his car. <laughs> Remember, the previous fights, he just <laughs> hung out in the car stroking his beard. He actually gets out because all his guys get their ass kicked. They're all drunk. And he falls several stories to his death. They didn't want to kill anybody, but. Hey man, these guys. How did they end these up guys on the top them. of a building at the quarry? <laughs> it was it was like a a, a a quarry, the headquarters of the quarry, a rock grinding tower. <laughs> Just whatever. They, look, Jeff left them no choice. Despite their Taekwondo mantra, peace and love, he left them no choice. They had to kill him. At this point, what's Jane gonna say? We'll learn what Jay says. Oh, that's what I'm wondering about. Actually, we won't. That Miami Vice shot just rocked my world, boys. Good night, everybody.
Oh, thank God. All right, let me close it down. The next day at Ninja Dojo, uh, the white ninja Yoshito is informing everyone that Jeff has been killed by Dragon Sound, and he's not pleased. It's on. We must avenge Jeff's death. They must not escape the Miami Ninja, he kind of yells. I was waiting for one of the guys in the background. Who's Jeff? As his black ninjas continue to train, they're always training, we see Yoshido have some flashbacks to happier times with Jeff. Apparently, they really liked each other. Like, there's a bond there that we didn't really get previously in the movie. Uh, I'm glad this little flashback clued us in on it. This shit is personal for Yoshido. Jeff's death is personal. I didn't have a lot of friends here. Jeff was nice. You know who never takes shit personal, boys? Who? That's right, Yak Boy. I'm talking about Dirty Fabian with Drew State. <laughs> and if I'm talking about unconventional Fabian not taking shit personally, then you know I'm talking about the unconventional tobacco special cigars. Brought to you by the folks who created Sweet Jane, La Vieja Habana, and much, much more. Available in your choice of either extra dark Connecticut broadleaf or natural Connecticut shade wrappers, they envelope a Sumatra binder and a Nicaraguan Criollo. Criollo. I've heard it both ways. Uh, filler leaves. Before aging, the scars are slowly infused with Nicaraguan estate-grown coffee. The smoke is medium to full-bodied, depending on the wrapper you choose. It's rich to... Ba- I suggest the Connecticut in the morning, the broadleaf in the evening after dinner. Uh, it's rich tobacco flavors commingling with the unmistakable aroma of coffee and some sweetness. Yak Boy, did I use the term commingling correctly? You did indeed. I always do. A perfect early morning smoke or after dinner smoke, whatever you choose. And if you don't believe me, ask Tut. I uh, totally agree with you. Your suggestion on an after dinner coffee paired with the tobacco would be very, very nice. Especially to get a dessert, like a piece of cake with a, a dark tobacco special. Or in the morning to go outside sit on the deck let up the Connecticut have a cup of joe a little bit of cream in it oh yeah do y'all do the uh, the dessert coffee the after dinner coffee at restaurants yeah yes okay if I'm at a restaurant that serves coffee with dessert I'm getting coffee yeah okay I've only done it a couple of times and I can I can see where the draw is I really always like it. okay always my two things for after dessert at a respectable restaurant I will do coffee. Most decent places serve coffee with dessert. Yeah. Uh, I was taught by one of my mentors early in my years uh, to ask the bar if they do a Sambuca shot. Sambuca. Sambuca. Okay. Uh, with coffee bean. If they ask you if you want Sambuca with beans, you always say yes. It's a liqueur. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which, if it's a good place, they'll put coffee beans in the liqueur. And that is the nightcap of your evening at a quality restaurant. Dessert, coffee, and then you end it with a shot of Sambuca with coffee beans. Yax, does that make sense to you? It does. Okay, Sambuca versus port. Totally different. The Sambuca is to aid in digestion. Okay. All right. It is... uh, I would say black licorice in mm-hmm. flavor. Yeah. Uh, the coffee beans kind of kill a lot of the harshness of the licorice. Yeah. Man, if you get some good Sambuca. First of all, you go to a restaurant and you order the Sambuca with beans and they know what you're talking about, you know you're at a quality place. 
Okay. So next time you want to throw your Norteño balls on the table <laughs> and impress your guests, you order Sambuca with beans. They're going to be like, what the fuck is this All about? Right. Do it. Will the quality restaurant let me light up a tobacco? If it's a quality restaurant. And speaking of cigars, how's the Norteño treating us? Oh, you know it's treating me right. Construction has been completely on point. I've been talking a lot, but I haven't had to relight. Uh, same, actually, but I haven't gotten down to that two-third mark. I'll see. I'll see if this one does what it normally actually, does. Actually, I'm I'm right above the the last third. I said I never had to relight. Boom! Here you go. But we, I've been talking a lot, and it we took a matter. and we took a break. You, I guarantee like you, clockwork. It, huh? I guarantee you, it doesn't matter. It is like clockwork with the Nortenios. Uh, which, like I said, for what. It's not a big deal. I mean, for what this cigar gives you, you touch it up, you get going. It's not like a, it's not a high maintenance cigar. I'm back in action. Exactly. It's it not took, high it maintenance. It took me five cigar. seconds. It's not like you go through it. It's nice. Okay. Uh, do you guys want? Since we're all uh, yaks, leather, cedar, spice, Nicaraguan earthiness. Yes. Anything else to? You're not going to get graham cracker and marshmallows with this bad boy. You're going to get spice on the nose. You're going to get earth. Cedar, leather, leather, boom, consistent. Uh, you guys want to talk price point while we're here? Twelve bucks. The Toro, Cody, uh, your guy there to your right said twelve bucks. I made a mistake on the Toro, but I'll stick with the twelve. Toro. Yeah. Eight. How much? I'll stick with the twelve. Twelve. I'm gonna go ten. Okay. Eight. Really? Eight bucks, brother. Between eight and nine, I, I ran down to eight. I need to have a word of my B and M. I need to ra- I ran down about eight. I need to have a word of my B and M. Go to Famous Smoke Shop and get you five of these bad boys. Come in right around eight. Use TNCC twenty promo code. Oh God, yeah. If you buy a box, you get a, use the promo code. They'll be even cheaper than that. Um, yeah, and the Corona Extra that we smoked during the Willie interview, which you smoked forever on the four. Uh, it lasts. It lasts. Four and three. You want to guess the price point on that boy? Well, this was eight, six. Six fifty. Damn good price. Yes, absolutely. Which might be why we smoke so goddamn many of these. Uh, it's great. Uh, you know what you're getting, and I've yet to be disappointed in one of these guys. I don't think I've ever smoked a Nortenio and been like, eh, could have been better. I love this size, though. I'll admit, I smoke a lot of the smaller sizes. Uh, I do like the Lonsdale. Um... I do like the Lonsdale, which is a little bit longer, a uh, little bit skinnier box press. Uh, but I do smoke a lot of the, the Bellicoso and the Corona Extra, which we smoked earlier. Um, it just never disappoints, man. No, I, I will say that I think the, the Corona Extra, I think, has a little bit more punch to it, delivered in that size. This is a little bit more subdued to it compared to just the power, the nicotine power that you get off the Corona Extra. Which is weird because that's a smaller ring gauge and a, and a smaller. Uh, 
I will admit though that the last third of the Corona Extra was strong. It was very strong. Uh, I'm not quite to the last third of this, so we'll see where that comes in. But shit, man, eight something bucks for this bad boy. Yeah, all day, every day. Again, I want to encourage everyone to smoke the Herrera Miami because I love that smoke in Vegas. I want to I want to revisit that. I actually have not smoked that yet, and I'm looking forward to it. I I, I really. Uh, Willie talked about the spice on it and kind of bumping it up there in the in the range of Herrera Stelly smokes. I actually found it a fairly cedar and leather and non-spicy, a little bit of spice, but uh, I, I kind of got a different impression from it than uh, than Willie. I'll defer to him. He's yeah, the master yeah, blender. Yeah. Uh, but man, I just you can't go wrong with Nortenio. No, you can't. No, you can't. I'm a big fan. I've always been a big fan ever since I started it. Okay. Well, we'll we'll uh, get final thoughts a little bit later. Well, back with Dragon Sound. Uh, Dragon Sound member Jim goes out to check the mailbox like he does every day, and he finally receives the letter from the. De- he finally receives the letter from the Defense Department. He's what? been waiting for. What I love more than anything else is he opens it up and he's like. My dad. My dad. And apparently everyone can hear him inside the house. <laughs> my father. I found my father. My father. Everyone rushes out of the house. I love, I love Mark. And Mark says, we're going to throw every cent we have together. Literally, they don't have a lot of money. No. We're going to pull they every cent shirts. from every one of us to buy you a new suit so you can go meet your father at the Orlando airport in style. That's are our Dragon Sound T-shirts not good enough? Huh? That's friendship, boys. That is. That is. Friendship. I appreciate this. You guys taking notes? Yes. Oh, those kind of notes. No, I was taking other notes. They even throw Jim up what on their shoulder sh- in the front yard of their house. They even throw Jim up on their shoulders and start parading his happy ass around the front yard. He's the only one of these orphans who has had a chance to meet his real parent. Man, what an emotional scene of true brotherhood and devotion. Just like their song Friends described, and just like the behavior and commitment I've always been looking for from you guys. What? I think I'm done. That, that, that was hurtful. It is. Did I say that loud? You did. Yes. Oh, that wasn't in my notes. I, I'm sorry. I've had a lot of rum. I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys oh. are great friends. I'm sorry. I'll just cry in my diet. It's all right. I mean, when you ask... You're good friends. You're I good mean, friends. when you asked me to stay until like four in the morning drinking beer, I was totally there. When Mark's like, we'll give every cent we have oh, to yeah, buy you that. a new suit, and they put him up on the... When's the last time you guys put me up on your shoulders? Pray to me around, like... Never. Never. I think we tried that once. You said... you for 30 fucking years. You never put me on your shoulders. We tried that once. You said, stop it. Granted, I probably... And I'm kind of heavy. And nobody's carrying me on their shoulders. I can't. I can't buy a suit without my CFO saying what what what's going on. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not approving any suit purchases on our. Budget. I mean, if if I can keep it off the books, you know, I'm there. <sighs> what an emotional scene of true brotherhood and devotion. Maybe not a shoulder lift, but I'll give you a hey. But Good job. did y'all both have the gut feeling as soon as they showed Jim trying on those new suits, he was going to be dead within the next five minutes? Oh, yeah. 
It's an 80s movie, and a guy's trying on a suit for a big moment. He's dead. He's toast. All, uh, I, all I could think about was, was, like, this guy reminds me completely of Wolf Castle's partner. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are, bud. When they get <laughs> When they get back to the band's apartment, Jane is there. Oh, look who showed up. What? And oh, she tells John... By the way, your brother's dead. I forgive you and the boys for killing my brother <laughs> because because I love you so much. The bloodshed is over now. And she and John start making out on the front lawn. I don't... All right. John and Mark then jump in Mark's convertible to take Jim to Shouldn't he have, like, told her, by the way, uh, Mark killed your brother? I didn't... I have nothing to do with it. So they, they kidnapped, you know... You know, Tom. No, they are brothers, and they all accepted responsibility. Hey, we we killed your brother. This is where you guys need to take notes. When my wife's like, but I found Kate like, in the lawn uh, after the morning after a podcast, face down the dirt. We made him drink too much. We pushed him to the red zone. We're sorry. Uh, no, normally that conversation goes like, well, we got him here, uh, and we just kind of shoved him out. And we just kind of, we left, and he's on his own. We just Again, I wish you guys would have gathered more friendship stuff from this movie. That's what I was hoping. Well, they jump into Mark's convertible, uh, to get Jim to the airport to meet his father. Finally. Yes. He's going to meet his father. The loser who abandoned him at birth. (laughs) They're so excited. After only a few blocks in the convertible, they're surrounded by ninjas on motorcycles. I hate it when that happens. Despite it's Miami. It, it happens a lot. It happens Bikers a lot, by day, ninjas by night. Oh, wait. It's the daytime. Despite a valiant effort by the three Dragon Sun members, the ninjas slice open Jim's chest with a sword immediately. With like a five-minute long... <sighs> He looks like a goner. He split Kill oh, Bill style. It's Game of Thrones. Just oh, yeah. His insides are pouring out. I called it. He tried on that suit. He's dead. I called it. Mark and John say fuck it to the peace and love mantra of Taekwondo. They commandeer some ninja swords and start killing everybody. They're slicing limbs. They're stabbing dudes in the heart. They're screaming out yells of pure vengeance. <laughs> as they avenge their buddy one ninja crawls his way back to the white ninja Yoshito who's meditating on a bridge nearby over, of a, little, he is. over a little creek and he tells everybody hey boss everybody's dead so Yoshito chops that dude's head right off now you're dead now you're dead no you're dead no you're well, dead he did tell them but a few days ago that he will accept no more mistakes. There are he no did, more mistakes. He did right. say no more mistakes. You're right. I was waiting for... I, I, think, his guy, I think his guys got a little bit relaxed, though, that biker bar when all the white chicks were showing their saggy 40-year-old titties. Uh, I think Boss is kind of cool with anything. Like, I think <laughs> I, I think we're kind of cool now. I think we can get away with some shit. No, uh, you you're wrong. Not. It would have been, I think, you know, more apt to see him meditating with that girl in the background with the titties dancing around. And his, and his guy comes up, we made a mistake. Oh. I mean, forget about those 40-year-old white girl titties. 
I bring Cheyenne everywhere now. <laughs> She's mine. She's everybody's. Get used to it, Yoshito. <laughs> he gives a big he gives a big belly laugh and then he pops up with a sword just in time to start sword fighting with the pissed off Mark. You know, was I the only one thinking it was weird just how badly all these ninjas perform? That's all they do all day is train ninja stuff and they all got slaughtered like nothing. Their whole job is to be ninjas and they all got wiped out like with nothing. I'm more surprised at how intense rocking with dragon sound will prepare you for killing an army of ninjas. <laughs> hey, these two members and the bass player of all things, they're killing you and you're all your only job is to be ninjas and you've trained all day long. If only they had come ah! out with like their uh, with like their guitars. No, they like, get they get just slaughtered like nobody's business. Came out with that keyboard and just like cracks the dude's guitar, the guitar man. Well after like, like, it, like Big Trouble Little Chinese, he puts the keyboard behind the dude's head and then, like, rams his hand through. That would have been sweet. Well, after an intense fist fight between Mark and the guy in the white ninja clothes, who's not the white ninja? You see a bunch in that fight scene. It's just a white dude wearing the white ninja stuff. It's not even the, it's not even Yoshido. <laughs> it's just a white dude in his clothes. Uh, Mark shoves a dagger in his chest, and it's game over. Who was the uh, the rock band that we did on the Japanese movie a while back? Wild, Wild, Zero. Wild Zero. Wild Zero. Okay. I'm holding on. I okay. just want to know that name. Well, off it's game over, right? He's killed the White Ninja. Game he over. has. Game over. Dragon Sound has won? Yes. Have they really won after betraying all their Taekwondo peace and love principles? And their friends did. Well... They, Personally, didn't, they didn't really come across the time when they needed to sing a song about vengeance. They had no choice. For Jim? <laughs> they had no choice. Uh, they did what they had to do. You kill our keyboard player. Now I'll kill you. <laughs> a bloody Mark and John then scoop up Jim. He's still somehow breathing. <laughs> to the Orlando hospital. It turns out that despite the massive sword wounds that split his upper torso in half, he's okay. In right. fact, he's going to be turned over to his father's care. The father would never give a shit about him for 30 years. Wait, that I just very showed up night. to see my son that I didn't even know I had, and now I got to take care of oh. him for the rest of his life. I thought he was going to be in one piece. I thought we'd like go get some pizza. This is, like, heavy. His long-absent dad promises Mark that he almost lost Jim for the second time tonight. Well, I abandoned, Did he know that he lost uh, him the first I time? I abandoned him at birth. But I lost him. And he almost died tonight. But I won't do it again, thanks to you, Mark. But you know inside, he's like, God, God why could you just it. give him to me in one piece? I thought you guys were going somewhere. That's the only reason <laughs> why I came back. I heard of Dragon Sound. Mark tells Mr. Brown, Jim's dad, who's by Mr. By the way, Mr. Brown is the worst actor ever known to man. So wait. <laughs> I love you, Jim. I'm sorry. So that makes Jim... Jim Jim Brown? Brown? Jim Brown. The one African-American cast member is Jim Brown. Big Jim Brown. Mark tells Mr. Brown, Jim is my brother, and there's nothing we won't do for one of our brothers. Will you help take care of him? Are y'all listening to this shit, taking notes? 
think we watched completely different movies. Yes. Jim gets wheeled out in a wheelchair, and his dad tells him that he's blessed to have such a one. You're blessed to have such wonderful friends. You are. Yeah, because I wasn't here. Thank God you had these great friends, because I bailed on you. But hey, you got this Korean guy and some other dudes. They really care about you, and now I really care about you too. <laughs> That's what he says, basically. <laughs> You know what, Dad? Just just go. Go back. You know. That's what I would have said. I'm good. I'm good. It's clear these dudes do care about me. Fuck you. Get out of here. I've got this saber wound I in care my about, chest. I care about I'm, all of you. Not just the top half and the bottom half, which is only being held by, together by a Mr. couple Brown, of Mr. Brown, the dad's like, <laughs> I care about... You sliced in half by a ninja sword. I care about you too now, son. As long as the hospital bills aren't too high. I mean, your band this still is together, for, right? This is you. You guys have Taekwondo insurance. <laughs> I I thought you had a record deal. That's when Mark's like, gotta go. <laughs> I got this, to go. Got to go. This <laughs> is Miami. No hospital's gonna cover. No, no, we totally cover ninja death. Yeah. Oh, everybody's <laughs> dude. It's Miami. Everybody's killing guys with swords. <laughs> the nurse comes it's in. Really she throws some stars <laughs> right into his chest. It's nunchuck swords. It's all covered. Uh, I love you, son, he tells him. Which is all Jim ever wanted to hear. But he was saying that to Mark. No, that's your son over there. Oh, (laughs) the dead one? What an asshole. (laughs) I love you, son. No, I'm I'm the badass who got your son here. That's your son in the wheelchair. Oh, shit. (laughs) You know, the guy who's clearly totally black, but he apparently had a Korean mother. None of this makes any sense. I forget we're talking about Miami Connection, 1987's Miami Connection. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta. Everyone's I gotta get perspective. John, Jane's boyfriend, the bass player, says nobody's ever gonna mess with our band again after tonight. Yeah, yeah. Dragon they're, sound. They're all dead. It's all over. Let's go home, says Mark. A title card appears on the screen, then says, "Only through elimination of violence can we achieve world peace." And the elimination of our enemies. You guys solved all your problems with violence. You guys never even attempted peace. No, no. Never. And then we go to end credits. That's the end of the movie. Okay. I'm just saying. It was a charm. The moral of the story is I believe about peace. Why are you sticking that sword in my gut? Because I believe in peace. Well, it's hard to make a satisfying conclusion where you fight all the ninjas to a bloody death and then put up a thing saying, only through peace. I don't know. I see my... It's like, uh, it's like, like Mark should be conflicted. I don't know if I should do this fighting the white ninja. That's when Wild no, Zero comes no, in. Just do it. No, no, John, Jane's boyfriend, he got slashed on the back. There was no, like... God, I should focus on peace. He went crazy. He was slashing. He went jabbing dudes in the heart. He went nuts. That's like I was saying, like, you know what? Maybe a podcast born through non-drinking would bring... Drink up. Drink all you can and hear the lamentation of the other podcast women. 
I care about peace and love. You should really take your foot off that ninja's head so he can breathe, <laughs> as opposed to shoving him down into the mud and drowning him. Only through the elimination of uh, my enemies they, can they, I They clearly peace. abandoned their, their Dragon Sound principles, but they had to. These guys were not going to let up. They were pushed too far. These man. guys were not going to let up. Do the little letters on the Dragon Sound shirt just say, I did what I had to do? <laughs> I did what I had to do. That is true. That is true. I had watched this movie when it first came out five or six years ago. I loved it then. I love it now. I mean, I it, do. It is a fun. And when you know the backstory of it, how much passion went into it by YK Kim, it's it, it kind of you can't help but kind of just have an affection for it. I'm um, not going to ever watch this again, and I oh. totally appreciate it. I, I mean, I do. I, I just... It's a love story. The dude had a passion for it. He put everything into it. How can yeah, you not appreciate it? But here's the thing. Do you think it I, captured it, it, 80s Miami accurately? But here's the thing. Even if I say, like, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. You never know what's going Had you watched it before? I'm sorry. I had watched it a long time ago. I, I made on you Netflix. Wa- I made you watch it. Because it was like one of those things, like, have you ever seen this film? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> I made you and Mincy and the doctor watch it But the it thing on about it is, even, even it's like, see, right from this day forward, the rest of my life, I will, ne- I will never forget That's true. about Miami Connection. That is true. Someone says, have you ever seen this film, Miami? Have I seen it? Let me tell you about the days of high adventure. <laughs> That's a good point because we watch a lot of movies, bikini car washes and all things where it's like, have you seen this? And where they have to kind of take stock and like, have I seen that? We'll never forget Miami Connection. You won't. No. no. Which makes me think, you know what? That's an auteur who put his heart and soul into a movie and we're better off by having seen it. Kudos, kudos to YK Kim. Yeah. Very much so. Absolutely. I just respect the fact that dude had a passion for it, went out there, swung for the fence. And what, and what a wonderful story in that for 30 years the thing went unknown. And then a couple guys from the Alamo discovered it. And all of a sudden you're on stage singing Against the Ninja and your friend song. By day. And you got your cast up there playing their instruments. By it's, night. Like, it's a really beautiful kind of... It was. It, it, 360, it's cool come though. around, three, it's cool full though. 360 story. It's great. Oh, that must have been a weird one. Can we get? Can you get the band together, play some songs? Okay. We didn't actually play anything. It was all fake. John Oates is dead. We're going to car wash. Are you? Dude, I, I'll show you guys the reunion footage. They look the exact same. Like, Baba Booey's still there. Like <laughs> These guys have not... They're in a time capsule. Miami's kind of a time capsule. And I say that because, kind of, yeah, you know, living in Florida. YK Kim just had him sealed away <laughs> in some, you know, some cryo sleep chambers for that day when well, we obviously needed can't afford again. that. Well, where did that million dollars go? Mac tins don't cost that much. I think the million dollar, if that is the budget, went to that street fight. I think so. That end fight is pretty impressive down the creeks and all that, but that doesn't cost. Nah, that's just there location. Was some, there was some, you know, sword. There's some practical Practical on that, effects, yeah. but I don't think... Uh, back then, University of Central Florida, now they're a top 20 powerhouse yeah, but back then, nobody Florida. Knew nobody them. knew who they yeah. were, so they're not paying them anything to right. do this stuff on there. I I, uh, I like this movie a lot. Yeah. I really do. Um, real question is uh, Dragon Sound versus Wild Zero. 
go. Mm. One who would win in a fight. Wild zero. Totally. Wild zero? Yeah, big who, time. They, two, don't, they hop on their motorcycles and they can, like, teleport. You can't beat that. Two. And they, like, make out with the same sex and they don't give a shit. Love is love. Love is love. I never heard that from this movie. <laughs> oh, no, no. They talked a good game. Against about the ninja, even if he's a boy and we're a boy, we'll still maybe kiss him. I got none of that in this. Also, for the fact that, I mean, the dude just held out his hand and a guitar flew into it and he started playing. He yeah. wasn't even mic'd into anything. I'm all about Wild Zero. Two. But I'm all about Dragon Sound, too. Two. They're, they're who, awesome. puts on, who puts on the better show? Wild Zero or Dragon Sound? If I can, at Cody's Pub. O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown Temple, Texas. If we're booking a band and we have a choice between Wild Zero and Dragon Sound... Could Dragon Sound open up for Wild Zero? Oh, that would be the ultimate gig. That's what I'm saying. Because they only have two songs, Friends and Against the Ninja. Okay. And then have Wild Zero just fucking tear the fucking roof off that place. Can we can we book that gig? I wish we could. <laughs> You can get some Japanese beers. Not made of you know draft house money over here. What's going on? Damn you, Asani! Can't resurrect a film. Damn you, Asani! <laughs> okay, uh, I love this movie. I was so happy to revisit it. Was it. it was fun. It was super fun, and you know, we may not have smoked the Herrera Stelly Miami cigar tonight, but we smoked a Herrera Stelly Norteño. You know, Willie is Miami, and we smoked the Norteño, and we drank some Miami Vice shots. We drank a, you know, at the heart of the cigars, Nicaraguan tobacco, we smoked, we drank a uh, Nicaraguan rum. Tut, you got your wish, we drank... drank a Nicaraguan soda? Uh, oh, no, wait, it's just Diet <laughs> Coke. Drank a terrible soda. That we have, that we um, have. It's a fun show. We made it work. And thank you for Willie for joining us. Uh, you know, uh, we are unique, uh, much like Dragon Sound. We are a unique force in the cigar world. That is true. And he chose to uh, saddle up and and join us tonight. I'm very thankful for that. Ted, give us some links. All right. So first of all, if you're going to buy anything off of Amazon, go to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club dot com website. Click on the Amazon banner and then do your shopping from there. Doesn't cost you anything. We get a little kickback on the side. Helps us pay some bills. What if you're going to uh, buy some cigars? If you're going to buy some cigars, go to the TuesdayNightCigarClub.com website. Click on the Famous Smoke banner. Do your shopping from there. And then on checkout, enter the promo code TNCC20 and you will get $20 off that purchase I'm gonna if give it's you, over $100. I'm going to give you a little uh, news. What's up? If you click on our link on our website, it automatically applies the TNCC20 promo code. So go there, click on our link, and automatically it applies that code. You buy a box of Herestelli anything, a little over 100 bucks, you're getting 20% off, you're rocking. That's almost like $20 cash right there. Yes. So, yeah, do that. Uh, join us on Instagram, TNCC underscore podcast. Naturally, uh, look us up on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Subscribe to our YouTube channels. I've been really happy watching all the subscribers come on lately of Tuesday Night Cigar Club. And then, uh, yeah, do, do your thing. Well, Tut, uh, real quick, uh, we promised the folks that commented on our Willie interview that we yep. would pick a winner 
during this episode. Okay. If they watch us, yep. pick a winner. You're putting me on the spot, man. I don't yeah, have yeah. my list in front of me. You better get it going. I don't know about that. You want that. me to do it? Yeah, do it. All right. I'm going to pick a winner um, based on our comments on the Willie interview. We said this is what we would do, so uh, hold on here. I'm going to pick... The tension is building. Can I get a do 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 Giovanni Montanez. I like your comments. I like your questions. And you have won the Norteño hand-painted canvas from Subculture Studios. Look at that. So... Boom. Congratulations. It's a beautiful piece. I would have liked it in my kitchen, but... I know. You really wanted it. I really wanted it. I figured all the work we'd done for them, they'd give me something. No. You can't yeah. have that. Hmm. So, uh, hopefully you watch this episode. You get your prize. And thank you, everyone, for contributing to the Facebook Live uh, portion of the show. Good show, boys. Good movie. Rock on. Uh, go out there, try some Herrera uh, Stelli cigars. Uh, the Norteño, we cannot promote enough. Yep. Fucking balls, man. So good. We love it. Jack, boy, anything? I liked it. You liked it? I liked it a lot. Oh, you know I'm going to like it. Well, then I will say what I always say at this point in the show. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Sayonara, motherfuckers. To learn more about the time I stopped a major cocaine deal from going down at the Miami docks by drunkenly stumbling by and falling face first into an open suitcase filled with grade-A Colombian booger sugar, please read my short story, The Devil's Dandruff. One man's epic tale of inhaling so much coke he couldn't sleep for a year by Matt A. Cade. It was an accident, I swear. But just think of all those school kids I saved that night. Take that, Stevie Nicks. And in the meantime, to learn more about the cigars and libations enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit DrewEstate.com and FloridaCana.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.FritzBeerMusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying, until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky. And for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. <laughs>